This week on the show, we geek out with Bill Crow about HD photo, raw formats, camera mosaics, and why Stu needs to call us. Right here on This Week in Media, number 51. Hey, this is Alex. Uh, we are back. We, I feel like we've just we were just here. We were just we here. were just here. It was Las Vegas leftovers. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. It was. It was very. Kind of had to cover it anyway. We had to cover it quickly. Yeah. yeah so uh, cover up the leftovers. Exactly. So they go bad. Get rid of them before <laughs> they uh, before they uh, leak. Now I'm, I'm here mostly with the usual suspects, but we have a special guest. We'll get to in a second here. So we've got John Foster. Hello, everybody. And Craig Severson. Greetings. Kenji Kato. Greetings and salutations. And a special guest, uh, Bill Crow from Microsoft. Uh, he is the program manager for HD Photo. So Ooh, special guest. I like the sound of that. Cool. He is. Yes. He is. We don't, we don't get very many special guests in the dungeon, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but it's very nice to have you here. This, you know. this is cool to come up, see the guys, see the shop. I've been a Pixel Core member for... Oh, three, four years now. So to come to the mothership and stuff is a lot of fun. <laughs> we're always we're always surprised at who's who are Pixel members. You know, you, you get this because uh, there's enough that I don't keep track of it all. I don't read every person's name. I used to, and uh, but uh, you well, don't read welcome. all the profiles anymore, Alex. I used to, but I, I, I there's too many now. Yeah. So, so Bill, okay. you had to you had to be driving in the car and nearly like crashed when you heard us they, they shout were, out. That was so insane. I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, my, my, my wife's at a horse show. I drive the horse show to help her unload horses and stuff. I'm driving back in the middle of the night through Washington, um, and you know, I just got the Zoom player listening to my podcast, uh-huh. and uh, and so I'm listening to Twib, and then I, you get in the after show, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, too, it was like you just totally non sequitured and, hey, we need to get hold of Bill Crow. And I literally <laughs> almost drove off the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It was just the, it, it was one of those, wait a minute, you know, where am I? Because right. you, you kind of doze off as you're driving, you're just you're in the after show, so you guys are just kind of rambling. And it was right. just like, it was equivalent to that feeling of, like when you've driven 10 miles and you don't remember the last, yes, 10, the last miles, 10 miles, right. something really wakes you up. Uh, so yeah, that was that was truly a weird experience. You should do that to more people. It's, right. it's worth it. Yeah, well, it's really thanks so much for taking us up on it. No, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's fun. It's, it's and and as I said in the email, I'm not I'm not too hard to find. I have, I was a member. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But, but that was great. I was glad I was able to. Now, what's bringing you down to San Francisco? Um, I've been in at a bunch of meetings down in the in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. so I'm taking care of those and stuff. So excellent. Working on HD photo related stuff. Awesome, and we're gonna have a, a long, extended talk about HD Photo a little later. And uh, well, I think there's there's just a little bit of news. There really isn't that much to talk about today. Uh, you know, it's still the aftermath of NAB, and everybody's everyone still everyone's gone. All, yeah. yeah. So, right. so I, I know all the every, so everybody at a booth. I know that when I'm talking to them, there's nothing. There's no bother. I, I don't even bother to send them an email because they're yeah they're, they're not around. But I still send it and then stack stack them up. And uh, so uh, so anyway, there's not that much news, but there is a couple things. Couple things. Well, this is related to our subject for for today which is basically digital the digital imaging the imaging right and uh, so it's an article that's in variety that talks about how digital is proving way more problematic than anyone ever thought 
From an archive point of view. From an archive point of view. Right. It used to be that you took your film stock at the end, put it in safe canisters, put it in the rock quarry, and it was it was good <laughs> it was good for, I don't know, 25, 50 years, depending on the archive. Then you typically forgot about it and then left it too long. Right. And now now we're restoring it. it. Yeah. But, uh, right. yeah. it, it, it was good enough so when it became a problem, it was someone else's problem. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, <laughs> it, really it, it, was. it was the <laughs> life cycle of someone's uh, work you know, a mm-hmm. career. That, well, that was the important part. And there, if you right? want to mm-hmm. see what what this process is, is the, when they restored the Star Wars films, four, five, and six, they um, they had to go through this incredible negative restoration where there was essentially nothing on the negative, mm-hmm. and they had to recolor correct it and figure out all this stuff to pull that image off of there. Well, the same thing happens with digital in a way, because if you take and put a, a RAID from, say, 1995 in the, the storage cabinet, it's sure, it's climate controlled, but if you turn it on, you may or may not have a RAID when you, when those drives spin up, mm-hmm. just because of the, the age of the bearings, the the uh, you know they could have unhermetically sealed, they mm-hmm. uh, the power supply not, might not work. You know it made there's all these other problems that go with that. I, I mostly drop mine. You drop them <laughs> before oh, they right. go bad, right? No, you have a story about dropping something. Well, it's not necessarily dropping well, not, something, but, is it? I, I've dropped a couple. Laptops and hard drives, and because there was the one from the car crash that was pretty cool. Oh, no! And then, but then, but, no. the, but the hard drive was fine. Yeah, I got. I was, I was working on a on a PowerPoint slide, and uh, with you know, on the way to a something that I had to show it on. And you weren't driving, were and, you? What? You weren't driving at the time. No, I was not driving at the time. There was Thank someone you. else driving at the time. But it, <laughs> but it was here's the worst part is it was like a military. It was a milita- It was a meeting with the with, with someone in the armed forces and. And I was talking about how you could use Max in the field, and uh, oh no! And uh, the guy bumped, literally bumped the car in front of him. And y- y- if you, if the back of your LCD gets hit by an airbag, just in case you're wondering, um, the, it shuts immediately. But the impact causes this nice little like shattering effect design. Oh my god! And it looks like the pieces of the uh, of the screen are in different places, and it's uh, <laughs> it's really cool. Wow! <laughs> but anyway, so the digital, so yes. the digitalness. The that idea has nothing to do with it. it. That, that, that would be, a, um, as Merlin would define it. Rattle. Yeah, we need to get that. We need to get yeah, that. we should borrow it from Merlin. We're never doing that on the show again. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, okay, so the other problem that they're finding yeah. is that the digital intermediary, the thing that, that's taken the scan, and they go through this a couple of different times, where does that go? How does that get saved? Does it get saved on hard drives? It gets, does it get saved on tapes? Isolinear chips. Oh, wait, uh, Star Trek, sorry. Isolinear chips. Yeah, we put it in the crystals. crystals. Yeah. Right, but if you don't cycle the crystals, they go away after uh, ten yeah, thousand years. So, yeah, yeah. so it's not a good idea to store a hard drive into deep storage. Well, I found that Do you keep it on like an old television. Like, does yeah. that? Well, you have to spin. You have to spin it up every now and then. So you actually have to make the drive do its thing. Otherwise, what'll happen is all these bad things. Well, over, I think the light, over time. Over time. So I, no, I consider this an opportunity. Well, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for an intern to have to plug the thing no, in. No, 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 no. <laughs> spin for the a, drive for every six months. Sub-industry yeah. to get get going to keep data alive. Well, the, but the idea is, is that really you should, over a period of time, as storage becomes cheaper, yes. you should migrate that data from that right. old broken hard drive or potentially broken hard drive to a newer place. Right. You know, so that the data that's actually the, gets read. That's once what the in a service while. will do. It'll keep things spinning and it'll keep migrating. Okay. So, so someone should start note this. Note to someone in Burbank. Give make, me 10% for the idea. Make a, a big storage data facility. Yeah. 
Amazon and, and stored in oh, in HD oh, file. Yeah. Well, but they can't. <laughs> but okay, so S3 is interesting to a point for this, but it doesn't actually solve this problem because. It, it it's a it's a your data lives uh, online it, it, at that point. It, your data is online at this point, and so so you've got a million feet of film that's been scanned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how do you pull that off of S three without it taking five years? Silence in the room. Connection with <laughs> well, so so what's your solution? My solution? Well, my solution, my own solution, got derailed until uh, October which was to uh, ZFS together a whole bunch of uh, discs. Not a show goes by without, without ZFS. ZFS. We're this was it's, not, it's not that John's excited about ZFS or anything. John, no, no, what do you no. think about ZFS? Well, here's the thing. All that stuff about the iPhone and I know, you I know, know. all that, it was like, okay, you know what? The I, big I think John would be very excited about the iPhone if we found out that it used ZFS. ZFS. It might. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, idea, the, the thing. So, like all these. As you, know, you can see here, I'm building a raid of, Z, of, of iPhones. So they, but they, don't worry, they're all ZFS. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to no. I'm going to take out the the box of flops, the the USB floppy disks, uh-huh. and I'm going to ZFS them together. There you go. Oh, that'll be yeah. fun. See, and then that'll be like see? the world's smallest ZFS raid. Some um, okay, but with ZFS, uh-huh. you're saying you're you're going to keep them all on all the time. Yeah, basically, right. And that, care. Because I have all this data that I need, like right. music discs. No, excuse me, music pictures, uh, writing. You know, all the all this all these things that. It, you know, if it goes, if the disc were to go away, I would never have another copy of that right. again. Um, that's the thinking. So the idea is that you can move your data forward through this this process. Now, sure, we do have to power it. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have to throw some money at that. But I think right. in in the in the long term storage consideration, when I'm dealing with you know an office of people that mm-hmm. needs to have all that stuff saved, yeah. I think this is really the best way to go. So, so when you have that massive power spike, you want it to be a total loss, then, as opposed to just what's exactly. online at yes. the moment. Well, I can condition the power. I can battery back yeah. up the power. I can have graceful shutdowns. I can How about do the all impulse. The impulse. You know what? If we have an impulse, then we have a bigger problem. We have a bigger problem. At our old movies. What, what you describe is is really just rolling your own idea of right. that large data bank. Exactly. I mean, you know, our paper mm-hmm. money wears out, too. We it, hold right. on to it, so we, you know, we, we roll it over. We put it mm-hmm. in the bank, and we get new stuff mm-hmm. back out. And so the idea of a service that does that makes a tremendous amount of it sense. It makes yeah. a tremendous um, amount of sense. And, and what you've described is basically rolling your own service to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then I'm, in de- then I'm in control of the destiny of my data. Absolutely. And uh, but, it, it, it's a bit scary to think that somebody else is going to, Lose my my data for me. Well, hmm. but somehow we managed to trust banks. We're just not mm-hmm. ready to trust bits <laughs> the way bits. we trust dollars. <laughs> and I'm Mojo, not sure if we should trust Mo, those banks. Mojo yeah. Nixon did not have anything good to say about banks. <laughs> so we had, we, had, we had insurance then banks. to solve yeah. that problem. <laughs> I guess. Alex, you have a solution now, though. You're you're spinning up drives that you archive now and again. Yeah, right? I mean, what 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 we're doing. I mean, in, our goal is to move really to where John what John's talking yeah. about, which is eventually we're going to have a lot of data that's on that's online. We already and have a lot of data. We already we have, you know, I don't know, we have 15 terabytes online. And um but we're going to be you know have all the data that we have mm-hmm. online that's just constantly moving forward. You know, it's exactly what John's talking not with ZFS right now, but with sure. but with servers that are just constantly ha- they have everything because um uh, the the bits are getting cheaper, so right. it's, it gets less expensive to just keep on rolling forward um, because you know five years from now the stuff that I have now and so what the idea is take the old drives and just slowly Migrate. retire them you yeah. know and 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 put the new ones in and so that's where we're going right now though what the in between yes. is um, we use a lot of raw drives right. so 
We just buy the drives uh, raw, mm-hmm. and then we um, and we plug these little Weebatech set of drives in docks mm-hmm. right. into them, and um, and then we uh, we just copy to them. Mm-hmm. We make a very clear uh, document of what software that actually indexes everything that's on there. Oh, okay, so we can search them. So we can search them virtually. So that you keep online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, yep. and then and then we and then we put them in the, in the plastic case that they came with. Right, and we've got this. The shelf of all these drives, right. you know, they all have their own little slot, right. and they all have their own little drives, and and then uh, so the idea is, and, and up until now we've mostly gone back to them often enough, but uh, what we are doing is starting to date them. Right. You know, we started thinking about the spindle issue, so that every mm-hmm. six months somebody, an intern, will go in, just just turn it on, search around some stuff, move, make sure that everything's working, and now eventually what we want to do is move to it, as I said, what John's talking yeah. about, which is yeah. that we just have. Uh, a big storage area when moving forward, but in the in between, the raw drives are really cheap, yes. and we don't need them to be powered up all the time. We yeah. don't need them to be accessible. And it may be that those the data that's on those drives isn't necessarily needed after a certain point in time. Yeah, yeah. you know, like after eighteen months or two years, it yeah. may, it's like how we're drive. actually we're we're a pretty lossy company. I mean, yeah. you know, we we we're very. Uh, we don't keep everything because we we burn through too much data. And the problem is, is that we're 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 shooting on a camera that does 180 megabytes a second, and we just chew that. You know, we just right. chew those little drives up. I mean, one you know, one take might be 250 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. And so, right. uh, once we've done the key, for instance, you know, we get it down to a compressed format and we throw it away. You know, we just you know we throw away the original it stuff. Hurts. Because well, you do that. It does hurt, but but you ha- you know you can't. You're just like it's too expensive right now. The budgets are too small for what we're doing right. to to make it. You know, yeah. but at some point it's probably cheaper to just reshoot it, knowing what you know now and making it better than it is to to fret about. Oh, we we, we just we, we just we we go through the the process of. I mean, for for stuff that's like film like work, that's high end. We're, we're keeping everything. Mm-hmm. But for the podcasts and stuff that mm-hmm. we do, the Mac breaks, and also the stuff that we get hired to do, once the client says it's okay, you know, all the raw plates get toasted. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't mm-hmm. even try to save them. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we do we do keep a DVC Pro HD master though, which will which will migrate to right now for us will migrate to um, the Apple, uh, the, Apple you know, the Pro ProRes four two two or whatever. Right now, do you does Microsoft is now combined with this uh, the 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 photo format? Is there a video format that's connected to that? No, HD photos is still file format, so right. you know. Storing a sequence of frames is certainly possible, and you know there's certainly some options downstream. But right now, HD Photo is very much targeted at digital photography, mm-hmm. as as the the real bullseye of right. It's a bigger market, so. and it was one that you know we felt was in desperate need of some solutions. It's a mess. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many file formats, and there's so much stuff, and you you know it. it, it Oh. raw tiff jpeg and no one can get yeah. along and no one can get along you know you're just in this 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 mess of of uh, well, and the 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 amount of misinformation about all those formats you know oh save it as tiff because that's the best or save it as photoshop only because that will give you this i was at i was at, at a camera shop that will remain nameless today buying a <laughs> buying a camera and was told unequivocally that my my uh, my HV20 that I was buying the the HD, HDV camera mm-hmm. would not use DV tapes it would only use the new HD the expensive tapes, Sony right. uh, high definition DV tapes but it's tapes. a JVC no, it's a shouldn't camera. it use it's the, uh, oh, it the is HV20 HV20 oh, yeah. he was uh, Misinformed. He was misinformed he was misinforming lots of other people yeah. to to his company's benefit yes. so um well, digital photography, I mean, we're still using the technology that the whole 
industry of digital photography was born on. I mean, back when we started it, it was amazing that we could capture a decent-looking picture and store it in a digital form right. and do something with it. And JPEG was a real godsend to make that happen. Right. But like I say that's where we started in the very, very beginnings of all of this, you know, back in mid-'90s the and, early and before. Canon, or Kodak cameras and yeah, so forth. And, and way back then, and some of the very first Fuji mm -hmm. you know, cameras. And, you know, and we've gotten a whole lot better with technology, but in many ways, entropy has just kept us tied to those original roots. I mean, JPEG is digital photography today. I right. Mean, it is, mm -hmm. it is just pervasive everywhere. Mm -hmm. It is the ecosystem. So... Yeah, it's really hard to get out of those that format in any industry. You know, it, once you get once you have a system built up around it, it's 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 problematic. Mm -hmm. So when we started working on HD Photo, you know, we it started really in the earliest days of look, working on Windows Vista. We had just finished up shipping Windows XP. This goes back five years, and you know, we were, we did the basic photo stuff in XP: a photo viewer, photo printer, camera acquisition stuff. You know, just those are the basics. So when we were in the earliest planning. Um, work for Vista, we're saying, how do we make this better? How, where do we go from here and how do we improve? And and improving quality was, was a big part of the things we were looking at. And we kept coming back to this bottleneck called JPEG in the middle. And, you know, it's like, well, there's nothing we can do about that. You know, JPEG is photography, so let's work on something else. And then we come back around and, no, it's JPEG. Well, there's nothing we can do about that. And, you know, then we asked a very fundamental question. Well, does that mean that for the rest of my life and my children's <laughs> life, it's always going to be JPEG? Is there ever going to be something other than JPEG. Right. And, you know, a reasonable observation is, well, no, sooner or later there's going to be something different. Well, how is it ever going to happen? Who's going to do that? Right. Well, one of the things we're reasonably good at at Microsoft is helping get over those big kind of chicken and egg things. We can um, accommodate a pretty large diffusion with a new technology in a short period of time mm -hmm. by building it into Windows. Right. And so that was kind of the, kind of the head-scratch moment that said, well, you know, yes, this is something that we can probably invest in and help raise the bar across the board for digital photography. Right, but I think Which, the, the differential here is that uh, unlike other Windows technologies, this one's become, in essence, depending on how you want to talk about it, more of an open source, a wider adoption potential, because well, it's not tied directly to Windows, is it? Well, it really, it has to be, to mm. be successful. Um, you know, it's... I mean, it's kind of an interesting challenge. I mean, working for Microsoft, I love working for Microsoft. It's a great company, but it's it's a very different company in many different ways. Um, you know, and everybody loves to position Microsoft as competing for that, and, you know, everything's a competition, everything's a battle, and, and the reality is that's not the way it is. The simple reality is Microsoft's not in a market share battle these days. I mean, you know, it just it doesn't make sense. We have a fairly significant market share, yeah. and that's that's not how Microsoft succeeds moving forward, is trying to fight for market share. Other companies, that is an important thing, mm -hmm. and, and we totally understand that. Um, our, our focus is to try to continue to extend the ecosystem. I mean, there's a certain volume of business, which is Windows, mm -hmm. but there's this multiplier of 100 or 1,000 times, which is the Windows ecosystem, of which digital photography is a part of. If we can expand that and make that grow, that ultimately translates to be really good for Windows, too. So enabling technologies you know, are really good investments to help help the industry as a whole. And, you know, there's no way a Windows-only file format achieves that kind of um, contribution in turn to be able to raise the bar. So, 
Yeah, we've invested a lot in a file format. I've personally been working on it for five years. Lots of people have been working on it, some of them even farther than back than that if we look at the Microsoft research work. But, you know, Microsoft's not in the file format business. We are in the operating system business, um, and, and our goal is to keep raising the bar, keep mm-hmm. making everything better, everything expand, create new opportunities, and that's going to ultimately sell more personal computers and, and, you know, and new, better operating systems. Mm-hmm. That's why we're having this conversation today. Because we think that, you know, we look at what HD photo is, and we're like, this is important. Well, and it's it's hmm. different than other, even if you look at even like the QuickTime versus Windows Media or things like that. It's it's a different battle in essence yeah. because it is a, in my opinion, it's a broader format potentially. Right. I mean, that's why I brought it up back when I did initially because I thought you know this is something that's worth looking at. So well, it's the idea of how do we get out of JPEG? So the mm-hmm. the solution was to go to RAW, which is you have to do so much work to make raw work out for of the you. frying pan into the fire, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and raw is not necessarily standard either, right? No. It's by no means standard. Right. No, because from what I've gathered, it's the it's the, yeah. the core of the camera, right? It's almost yeah. like uh, it's almost mean. like running MS DOS, where you can write to the metal. Right, you yeah. can go in and write a printer driver that goes right. to that one port in memory. Nikon in, has NEF. Yeah. Uh, Canon uses a a variation on TIFF that is theirs. Yeah. Uh, Sony has their own RAW format. Every, I mean, pretty much all the manufacturers have their own RAW format, and they all do it a little different bit depth and things like that. So it's now, not all the same. Wasn't Adobe attempting something with the DNG format? Yeah, but so what's that? How? So 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 DNG, the digital negative, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, some really cool work that Adobe did to say, you know, rather than having all of these different raw file formats, mm-hmm. why don't we just all agree on the format and do it all the same way? Okay. And you know, let's look at all the different parameters and all the things that make them different and find out a, why, a way we can parameterize that. We can describe that in a file. And that, that certainly makes huge sense for Adobe, which has to support all these different raw file right. formats in their software. And every time a new camera comes out, they're, they're three months behind the curve until they can mm-hmm. update Adobe Camera Raw or now Lightroom they have to keep updating too. And so it clearly makes their job a whole lot simpler. Mm-hmm. But w- I think what we've seen in the industry is the camera manufacturers aren't interested in that. Mm-hmm. And oh. there are some good business reasons and technical reasons for that. And this is really tough because as a photographer, you like the idea. I don't want to be dependent on this camera's specific proprietary raw format and you know canon exacerbated the problem a little bit because they've already obsoleted support for some of their earliest raw formats Mm -hmm. and so the concept Hmm. of having a normalized raw format um, has has a lot of value from that standpoint but back to the camera company they i think they look at it two different ways the first is that if we go ahead and sign up for that and agree to that I'm potentially, speaking for the camera company, I potentially limit my ability to innovate. What if I come up with some revolutionary new sensor Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I capture light in a totally different way, and I can't map it to the way we've defined an unrealized raw? Well, now am I back to a proprietary raw, and or how do we do that? And you know, and And the problem is if you give up standard, if you give up to the standardization, and then you end up with something that's outside that box, but. 95% 95% of the public is, or 90%, 95% of the photographers are using the standardized version. 
trying to get them to use your little version, it becomes exactly. an uphill battle. Right. Mm. Right. And no I matter think, how good the, the sensor is, they're right. just going, whatever, we don't care. And mm. I, I think the other part of it, whether realistic or not, is, is those major camera companies view that their contribution, the value that they bring, isn't just capturing light in a sensor. It's producing a high-quality photo. Image. So how that data gets processed and what the end result of a photo is sure. and why Canon will tell you a Canon photo looks better than a Nikon or a Fuji <laughs> photo is all part of their their own raw processing, their secret sauce and their right. way to do it. Right. And if that becomes a normalized format, mm -hmm. they've become commoditized yeah. at that point in time. Non-differentiated. They're, they're just... A, a device to hold the lens and a sensor mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and capture that information. So from mm -hmm. a business perspective, right. you, you don't want to reduce the piece of the market that you influence. You want to drive it. Now, the fact that everybody and their brother has reverse engineered all those formats, <laughs> you know, the, the horse is kind of already out of the barn, mm. it, you know, I, takes I, I, a little bit of wind out of that argument. But I don't really think about the file format on the camera. You know, the, the, those aren't the, the only time I thought about the file format on the camera. I mean, the, my, my reason that I use a Canon. Do, what, what do you shoot on? Uh, well, I, I do have the luxury of having a few cameras to play with, but my main camera that I do for my own photography is, is Canon. I, yeah. I use a 1DS Mark II. And uh, I have to admit, I that's a little pocket camera. Yeah, the little yeah, one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was a uh, there was a, there was one week, you know, a while, you know, a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago that uh, when when it, Nikon had encrypted part of the RAW, they, they raw. encrypted the white point, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the white point yeah. on their on their RAW format. And between that and the fact that Canon has an open SDK and Nikon would never return my emails, you know, asking for an SDK to control the camera so that we could do HDR and do a bunch of other stuff. stuff yeah. uh, you know, I gave away the I gave away the Nikon and bought a you know hmm. bought a Canon and yeah. gave away six. I mean, literally got rid of six thousand dollars worth of glass and and just moved over. You know, I was just like, ugh, I'm tired yeah. of this. <laughs> you know, but 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 I, my the, the file format didn't wasn't the thing that I was, you know, concerned about other than the, them closing it, closing it down, which is, of course, why we want some kind of standard. And mm -hmm. maybe we should step back real quick and just get, you know, your explanation of what HD photo is. I mean, sure. from right. your perspective. Because it's a different animal than RAW, obviously. Well, it is. Or I mean, JPEG. the fact right. of the matter is, at the end of the day, if it's a standard RAW format, if it's a proprietary RAW format, whatever, it's still kind of a weird way to, to address the problem. I mean, the whole reason RAW is valuable when we shoot RAW today is because of the limitations of JPEG. A mm -hmm. JPEG file stores an image in 8 bits per channel, red, green, and blue, and typically 99% of the time uses the sRGB color space, which is, and this is always challenging when we get talking about color profiles and mm -hmm. stuff, and we could rat hole in that right. in depth. Yeah. But, but basically the bottom line is you have to define what red is and what green is and what blue is. Just saying red is 25500 says, Isn't no, that's, that that's my <laughs> numeric representation of red, but... You know what was the actual wavelength of light that got mm -hmm. captured that represents that value, or what's the you know the color of the pixel on the screen or the ink on the paper? So mm -hmm. a color profile is is what defines that. Now, in an ideal world, we would just all agree on the same color profile. We just well, let's all decide. Come on, this isn't that tough. <laughs> this is what red Here, is. Look, look, look at look at my picture of a fire truck. This is right. red. We all agree, yeah. you know, and that's it. The problem is. I'm only using 8 bits. I only got 256 unique values from black to uh -huh. fully saturated red. And the same thing over in the blue channel and the same thing over in the green channel. That's mm. not a lot of variation and not a lot of choices. So I need to be able to use those 256 colors 
that mean the most to me. And so if I'm a printer manufacturer, mm-hmm. I map those based on how I put ink on a paper. And I actually use a lot more of those steps down in the darker area of the spectrum because that's where there's more ink, and I mm-hmm. need more. Um, uh, I, I need to differentiate the different shades. Up in the higher, the brighter end of the spectrum, there's less ink on the paper, and I can use less of those 256 steps. If I'm a display manufacturer, I'm I'm lighting up pixels on a screen, and it's just the around. opposite. Yeah. I need to use more of those steps. So. Each of those has their own color profile. Here's my most efficient way to use those 256 steps. Now, of course, the problem is we don't agree. So somewhere along the line, we have to translate that. We have to convert from one to the other. And that just becomes this huge pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, what profile am I using? What's my working profile? What's the end profile? And there's hundreds of profiles, thousands of Theoretically, profiles. every device can, has its own profile yeah. and there are and displays in the ways we measure those profiles and printers, we measure the profiles. But to make life simple, we all said, okay, fine, we just got to pick one. Okay, it's mm-hmm. the least common denominator profile. And so that today is sRGB. It's the profile that was adopted by IETF for the, for the web, W3C, and, um, and for, as, as how we represent colors on the web. So that pretty much made it the default the profile. And it literally is just the least common denominator. It's certainly not the broadest possible spectrum, but mm-hmm. every display can pr- do a decent job showing it, even though most LCD displays only show a piece of it. And <laughs> Most printers can show Which a piece is ironic. <laughs> so anyway, hmm. backing up where we came from. So the problem is when you shoot a picture in a camera, mm-hmm. it makes a JPEG file. Eight bits per channel, red, green, blue. When you're not shooting in the raw. SRGB space, when we're not shooting in raw. Mm-hmm. The data that came from the sensor was tremendously richer than that. 12-bit data typically coming off the Mm. A to D converter in virtually every camera today. A wider spectrum, a wider dynamic range, but we squanch it down to this least common denominator JPEG. To make the file size smaller. Well, because JPEG became the standard. standard. Back when it was a miracle that we could even capture light and put it in digital bits on a memory device and get it out of a camera, JPEG was a miracle to make that happen. It even, look, it's even color. Isn't that amazing? So it's like Um, the light bulb, or the light bulb, right? So, yeah, so so JPEG, you know, was a breakthrough at the time, but we've just been stuck living with it. Right. So by shooting raw, we, we, we bypass the fact that we chop our data down to fit in a smaller space mm-hmm. and then throw it on the floor and stomp on it four mm. or five times <laughs> in the form of lossy compression yes. um, to get our file. We take a raw file is literally the data that was captured from the sensor. It's not even a picture, it's sensor data. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we bring it into the PC and then we use Adobe Camera Raw or we use Phase One or we use Lightroom Now or Aperture. And I get to control the knobs and buttons and dials to decide what data gets thrown away when mm. I finally crunch it down to the 8-bit JPEG that I post up on the website or whatever. But it gives me the control over those decisions, right. as opposed um, and, and that includes all, everything like the the color balance, you know, what what the white balance is, everything. Yeah, all that stuff comes out off the ca- off the camera. In neutral, I mean, it's just whatever the just whatever the, the sensor data saw. the sensor right. the camera the the sensor captured right yeah white balance is how we processed that data into an eight bit in, shoe in, into an eight bit yes exactly okay. mm-hmm. so uh, so so raw is hugely powerful in that way and right. that it empowers the photographer to have full control over the light that they captured and and obviously given what the alternatives are 
any serious photographer really cares about their raw data mm-hmm. as opposed to this terrible representation in the form of a JPEG file, a subset of that. But of course, J- the raw file is huge and yeah, massive cumbersome. Size, and, and it's a proprietary format, and it may get obsoleted someday. Odds are it will, because it's tied not just to a particular manufacturer, but a but particular model of a camera. Yeah. So mm-hmm, when that mm-hmm. camera gets obsoleted, mm-hmm. as we've already seen, the raw may be obsoleted. So as a photographer, you start caring a lot about the raw format because that's the only alternative I have. Our goal with HD Photo is to offer a different solution. Okay. So what happens is when we um, convert from raw to that 8-bit sRGB space, we're using only those 8 bits per pixel. So someone will say, well, fine, don't use a JPEG when you do that. Use a TIFF file and use 16 bits per pixel. Well, the challenge there is that TIFF file still has a color profile associated with it. Mm -hmm. It still has the same limits to the total size of the gamut. I just have 65,000 steps inside that gamut as opposed to 256 steps. That's definitely better. That's why it's a printing standard and high resolution But I still did limit it to to whatever that gamut was. And that's why we have in Photoshop um, color profiles like Adobe Wide Gamut Profile and their Pro Photo Gamut which keep trying to make the the gamut bigger and bigger so Mm. the limits are less constraining when you use more pixels. But it's all based on using this unsigned integer, a value from 0 to 255 or 0 to 65535. With HD Photo, we have adopted what's been done for high dynamic range, wide gamut um, processing in the visual effects market and other areas to say, let's let's not use an integer fixed point that only goes from 0 to a positive maximum value. Let's just use a floating point number. So the number can have a very wide range. And... And we can specify the color in, within this. What we can still say this is what the lowest level is, and this is what the highest level is, defined by sRGB, the way we're ultimately going to look at it on the screen or on the web. But those numerical representations, which in 8-bit JPEGs is the absolute bottom of the numerical range, 0, and the top of the numerical range, 255, now are just two floating point numbers in a much bigger range. So the camera can go ahead and make that file for me in this floating point numerical value and decide here's where white is or here's where the most saturated red is, but it didn't have to throw away the values that were outside that range. There's still other numeric floating point numbers to represent it. If 1.0 represents white mm-hmm. and that overexposed highlight, which got clipped, but I might have been able to represent you know, recover in the raw file is still in the file. Well, it's not 1.0, it's 1.1 or 1.2. It's a larger number than what I've decided white is. And those chips are getting a lot of that information. Typically, typically, yeah, the chip is capturing at least one or two stops beyond what's the usable range to to get the best contrast ratio out of the photo. It's why we shoot raw, so we have the ability to recover that. We use a floating point number instead of that integer number to represent that. And I can keep that whole dynamic range at the same time of making my first best guess of what the photo should look like. Now, how would this relate to something like EXR? What's EXR? Open EXR is ILM's high-quality video or visual format, basically. Um, There's some similarity in that Open EXR um, absolutely embraces this idea of high dynamic range wide gamut, and they use floating point representations. Uh, I I should back up on that. EXR is mostly focused on high dynamic range, extending the exposure latitude. So that, uh, and the typical format, and and EXR is kind of, has a lot of different things. So it's, it's flexible and extensible, and they support 
different pixel formats or different numerical representations of an image within it. But the most common, um, as I understand, EXR has been OpenEXR has been used is using a radiance format. Right. Um, the radiance format's a kind of interesting idea to compactly represent high dynamic range wide gamut. We use a floating point number, but the problem we have is floating point numbers are big. Right. And, you know, and so my images start getting, the file sizes start getting big. So the, little, the cool trick with a radiance format is I say, yes, I want that floating point number for a really wide range, but I, I only really care about all my color channels going up and down that wide range together. The luminance of the scene can go from very, very dark to extremely bright. Um, you know, the kind of things you need when you're building normal maps right. know, in a 3D space where you need that full high dynamic range. And so the way they do that is a floating point number has an exponent and a mantissa. And they say, well, you know, odds are all three of these color channels are going to have the same exponent. They're all going to be, they're all going to get bright together, they're all going to get dark together. So the radiance format shares one exponent and three separate mantises. And it uses eight bits. Now define, what, what is a mantissa? So in a floating point number, the exponent's the multiplier. The mantissa is the part of a floating point number right. that we multiply. So when you look at that, you know, 1E7 scientific right. representation, the 1 <laughs> is the mantissa, and the E7, the 7 is, you know, the 10 to the 7th or 2 to the 7th, whatever the base is that we're multiplying it by. So we have one exponent for all three color channels, and they all use the same exponent. So what that means is that Red, green, and blue together have this huge dynamic range. It's a floating point number. You know, the exponent can can mm -hmm. can range. In, wide, but but the widely. difference between red and blue or red and green is still limited by the range of only the mantissa. They all have to use the same multiplier because there's only one multiplier. Right. But it's a cool trick because in 32 bits, I have three 16-bit um, floating point numbers because they each have an 8-bit mantissa and an 8-bit exponent. They're all just using the same exponent. And then OpenEXR has some different compression options. It can be uncompressed, and they just they support some of the standard. I'm no expert here, so I, I may misspeak on some of this, but I believe they support just LZW compression, which is a standard mm -hmm. lossy data or lossless data compression, and some other stuff. And, so, and, and from a production point point of view, it has a lot of channels, so you can right. put a lot of other information yeah. in, in with the meta camera, information. Which, meta information that, that production companies need, Z not necessarily yeah. photographers though. You know, it's, right. it's yeah. a lot more data. So, so this may be a good time to kind of step back from that and kind of walk through the laundry list of what is HD photo. Yeah. Because we, we, we certainly looked at that requirement in that market. And our goal was that, boy, as soon as I got into this workflow that says, no, you want to capture in RAW, but be sure you convert to TIFF in this color space <laughs> and, you know, this much bit depth, you lost. I mean, all, all of a sudden we've created just far too complex a workflow. I can't tell you how many photographers I talk to who says, yeah, I got a DSLR. Yeah, I shoot RAW. I get great pictures. What do you do with your RAW? Well, I run this little script and it converts mm -hmm. them all to JPEGs. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> you know, it didn't gain anything, but you know, the perception was, you know, they were getting the benefit of RAW when, in fact, that automatic conversion to JPEGs JPEG was no different than the camera right. having just done it in the first place. And probably worse. And uh, potentially, yes. Yeah. So, um, so we looked at HD Photo to say, how can we build a single file format that really addresses all of the needs of photography, digital photography for pros, for consumers, um, and cover that whole range? So. HD Photo is first off a compressed format, and we have pretty good compression, typically twice as good as JPEG. So what that means is I can give you the same lossy quality as a JPEG file at half the file size. Your 1.5 mm. megabyte JPEG file can be a 750K J HD photo file and look as good or better. So that's part one. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. And it's just, 
you know, we got a whole lot better at at the whole science of compression. Well, since you know, JPEG, JPEG is a little yeah. aged. Now, yeah. right. it certainly is. And and as a matter of fact, I'd say we're comparable in terms of quality to JPEG 2000. What's that thing called JPEG 2000? Yeah. We hear a little bit about mm-hmm. every now and then. The JPEG 2000 is is a new format that came from the same JPEG committee, and JPEG 2000 is really a cool format. I mean, it uses wavelets and it, it has mm-hmm. excellent quality. It gets about that same two to one quality gain over JPEG. The challenge of JPEG 2000 is it's mathematically extremely complex. You're just never going to put JPEG 2000 into a $200 digital camera. So it works great on a computer, but you're not going to put it in a camera. And it's, That's it's right. processing power we're talking about here. Just the computational power. It needs lots of memory buffers for all that wavelet stuff, and it's arithmetic coding, and, and that's just hugely complex. Yeah. Is it slow, then, so, as a result? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it requires mm-hmm. a larger processing power than yeah. most people are going to put in a small camera. Okay. Lots of people said or looked to wavelet as the, as the next the, generation. It was like, oh, this is we'll wavelet. So for the longest time in medical imaging stuff, for example, you saw wavelet, 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 and then mm-hmm. they found out that too heavy. It was oh, it, even a- for absolutely. even for the medical guys that said, "Great, we'll throw a hundred thousand dollars at this." Too too heavy. Yep. Right. I, I was talking to the the chief uh, chief scientist at at a medical imaging company who said exactly what you're talking about, John. Is JPEG 2000 gives them the quality they want, but they have a scenario where they've just got these gigapixels of images, MRI scans and mm-hmm. things like that, sitting up on a server. They suck them off the server. I mean, these hospitals now, they have fiber to the desk everywhere to move this massive amount of data around because mm. a doctor's time is the most important asset they have. A doctor right. has to be able to sit down at a workstation and pop, pop that stuff up and scan through it. And five years ago, they were totally bottlenecked by networking. They just couldn't get all that data down there. Now they're fiber to the desk and they got these huge gigapixel networks gigabit networks, and now they're bottlenecked by CPU processing. They can't put a fast right. enough workstation on the desk. the imaging desk. resolution they have for medical imaging is massive. Now. With, I mean, with, with JPEG 2000. I mean, it's just it's it's computationally um, too much. Now, that's not to say there aren't some cool markets for JPEG 2000, and it's finding some interesting niche markets, but consumer digital photography certainly isn't one of them. So, can, sorry. Can we quickly subtitle Wavelet for me? Well, Wavelet is a type of compression. Okay. Um, it's Okay, imagine the processing power it took to do JPEG back in the day when it first came out. Which okay. was some processing. It was a lot of It needed a lot. Mm-hmm. So you didn't, it didn't get interesting until we got to, to the 33 megahertz range. Of CPU speed. Of CPU speed. So okay. that you didn't have to spend forever doing this compression. Mm-hmm. All right? So Wavelet is, is uh, as heavy by com- by today's comparison yeah. to what JPEG was back in the day. Okay. Okay. So it's like Bill was saying, it's mathematically really complex. Yeah. So if you, I'm just gonna I'm gonna f- drop to Wikipedia here. Yeah. That's just true. go look at this. Okay. Go to Wikipedia. Type in Wavelet. It's W A V E L E T. I like to imagine my my pixels mostly on little waves. But light is a wave and a <laughs> Very particle. small ones. And, 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 and have going into an inlet. And yeah. then it's kind of like pixel wavelets. Are you but pulling the, my chain here? Or are you actually, <laughs> is this a real metaphor? But, but the, idea, the idea of wavelet was, the idea of wavelet is this. From a, from a medical point of view, when yeah. you look at a JPEG and you look at an edge and you have this fuzzy edge as yeah. it goes across because what's, what it's doing is it's, and uh, then you've got other areas that are these big blocks. And the so Alex talks, about, Alex talks about the compression artifacts. Well, right. Wavelet 
deals with those edges and those big fat areas where in the case of a medical image it's you want to it's very to. important yeah. to have as much detail or excuse me all the detail there as, that, that's possible because you don't want to mistake a tumor with mm. a JPEG artifact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be important. Yeah. Now, now, you, 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 you that, that, that's actually kind of scary, and I'll, I'll take a little side note. Um, Canada has a fairly interesting healthcare system, which is all funded by the government. Mm -hmm. And I actually had the opportunity to, to read a study that was produced by the Canadian healthcare system looking at the investigating the idea of using JPEG for medical imaging. Because ah. it, it was cheaper. It, because the storage costs right. of storing all that medical Way data yeah. in, in uncompressed or JPEG 2000 is hugely expensive. And there were certainly medical risks, as John was talking about, in using JPEG where artifacts compression artifacts may disguise important medical data. Right. And this literally, I sat there and read this report about the risk analysis trade-off and wow. how we could better spend the money <laughs> we would have to spend on all these massive server upgrades on other ways to enhance the healthcare system and it was an acceptable risk to um, wow. to accept more compression of the in the images and spend that money in in other ways to improve healthcare and it was it was like whoa that's scary stuff yeah that's but, scary. but it's a, it's a real interesting well, from, you know, from, real a, world from a historical point of view so if you're storing an image to store an image you know so that you can say okay I need to come back and look at this a year ago chances are the medical that from a medical point of view that person will have moved on to an, a, another bigger problem mm -hmm. and so that specific little JPEG artifact may or may not be of an issue from a year and a half ago point of view. Yeah. Right. So in in a in a way the study is correct in saying, you know, why are we spending all this money for, you know, the possibility of mm -hmm. of the one in a zillion person uh, oh, being but, saved by the historical yeah. data. But but they don't need to do that. See, no, no, no right. Bill's here to say to say they, they don't need to, to give up anything. They, <laughs> yes. they can they, don't HD it photo, it cures cancer. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> at least it images cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're doing the laundry list of features. So HD yeah. Photo is good compression, twice as good as JPEG. Right. HD Photo has very flexible on the pixel formats we support. So a pixel format is like red, green, blue, eight bits per channel is is a pixel format that JPEG uses. Well, we support that pixel format. If all you want is your same old eight bit per channel sRGB data, you can do no it. problem. You can do that HD Photo. We'll make it half as small. Hmm. Um, but we support eight bit per channel. We support sixteen bit per channel. We support thirty two bit per channel. Cool. That can be That's unsigned integer. Yeah. Like we use in JPEG, it can be a signed fixed point integer, and that's an alternative to floating point. I don't have to go all the way to floating point, but I can, instead of my range of numbers representing just 0 to 1, black to white, I can represent, for example, minus 4 to plus 4. So it's black to white plus more than enough greater range so that the Capture extra data range, that yeah. came from the sensor is still in the file. Mm. I can Another way to say that is I'll use... 16, a 16 bit file, and I'll use 13 bits to represent the black to white range, and I'll save three bits to represent, you know, an eight times expansion, that minus four to plus four around it. Hmm. But if that's not enough, we'll support full floating point too 16 bit floating point, 32 bit floating point. I mentioned the radiance format with a shared exponent that OpenEXR uses. We support that natively, we compress radiance format. 
So we support red, green, blue. We support CMYK, which is very important to printers. We support monochrome, because that's handy to have. And we support arbitrary N-channel, up to eight channels of information where I don't know what they are. It's your data. You tell me what the channels so, so, are. So similar to like, uh, and that could be, that could be alpha channel. Like I was going to say, could transparency. Be, that, 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 that could be a, surf, uh, a, a texture for, a, for right. a 3D model that has three color channels. So similar a, to like an a, RPF file. Right. Z-depth, normal a, information. It could have a bump map channel mm -hmm. and, and a reflectance channel and a translucency channel. As long as it's more or less continuous tone data, right. um, you know, which all of those are, mm -hmm. then it will compress fairly and any, efficiently. And any one of those um, at 32-bit or whatever into every channel? Um, there, there are some limitations. If we and, there, and quite frankly, they aren't technical limitations. They were strictly design decisions we made. If you mapped out all the possible combinations of pixel formats of number of channels and bit depth and bits per pixel and floating point or fixed point, it's a massive number. And so, so you for pure the you pragmatic the reasons, we picked the ones that were most important you know, it, it, to the key market of, of photography. You dropped the silly ones. Yes. Just the unreasonable, yeah. the zillion and, pixel well, format. Well, we dropped the silly ones, but I'm sure there's quite a few of them there that someone will look at, <laughs> even me, quite frankly, four or five years after we well, made some well, so, decisions. So are those extra eight channels, are those eight bit or 16 bit? Or? They're eight or 16 bit. But okay, right but at now least we, they're 16 we, bit. 16 is yeah. important. Because, yeah. for instance, if we're, if we're passing along a, a Z depth pass, eight bits no. is not enough. Not enough. Yeah. The, the main reason we implemented end channel support was for the printer market. Right. If you want to put a an image in the final color space of a printer inside a printer spool file, for example, mm -hmm. again, remember, my target was digital photography, and that's on the path to digital photography, is getting right. that, mm -hmm. that, that to image print. to the printer. Then a printer describes that usually in its color space defined in, in a number of color channels defined by the inks of the printer. And so that, that's the main reason we support N-channel. And so unsigned integer 8 or 16-bit absolutely covers that need. So, so better compression. Uh, one other thing I'll go back on compression and talk about is we support both lossy and lossless compression. Now, lossless compression and lossy compression isn't totally new. There's different flavors of JPEG. There's mm -hmm. JPEG LS, which is lossy. But you know, how many people have a camera that lets me sw switch my quality setting from basic to fine to lossless JPEG? Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. The reason is, even though they're all part of a standard from JPEG, they actually are completely different algorithms. Mm -hmm. right. So if I'm implementing it in a chipset in a camera, it's another whole set of gates. It's another whole algorithm. Mm -hmm. In HD photo, lossy and lossless is the exact same algorithm. So you basically just keep turning the quality knob up, up and the, the top of that knob is mathematically lossless. So if you go to 11, it does it's 11, basically, right? Basically, <laughs> yeah, turn it up to 11 and it's mathematically lossless. And it also means that we're scale, we have these scalable higher quality modes, even at its highest quality, you know, 12 in the Photoshop um, Mm -hmm. save option for JPEG, right. that's still a pretty lossy compression. It right. has color subsampling going on there. Um, again, we're scalable all the way up to lossless, so there's a much greater dynamic range of, of lossy modes. So there's a lot of lossy modes that are, for all intent and purposes, perceptively lossless. You'll never mm -hmm. see the difference. Because we do lossless and lossy in the same algorithm, and this gets a little tweaky, it's what we call a bit-exact algorithm. So every step through the algorithm, from the color conversion, the transform, the entropy coding, they're all 100% reversible. You can back up through them. To do lossless compression, it has to be. You have to be able to go forward and backward and get exactly the same result. JPEG is not that way. It's mm -hmm. not a bit-exact algorithm, so that's why you'll see 
different results decoding the same JPEG image. Even if you save it at the same, same quality level, it's going to reinterpret it every different time. Different decoders might interpret it differently for particular optimization mm. reasons or, or things like that. Mm. It's also one of the reasons why if you encode, decode, encode, decode a JPEG file 10 times, you pretty much you wind up quality. with garbage. You're going to hammer it, right. Yeah, at the end. With HD Photo, because it's a bit exact algorithm, even with a lossy file, if mm -hmm. you encode, decode, encode, decode all day long, mm -hmm. it, it won't change. That's good. If you modify a pixel, then you change the rules and things will change. Right. But so, for example, you know, a red eye correction in a photo is mm -hmm. only going to affect the portion of the image that was um, related to those those small set of pixels you changed. Every other pixel in the image will um, decode and re-encode back to the, the oh, exact same value. Okay. Again, that's based on a, few, a bunch of caveats. You use the same encoder settings each time. You right. aren't changing encoder sure. settings. It would be sure. different. Um, but lossy and lossless in the same algorithm really is cool because it's yeah. no longer a design decision. Well, do I implement lossy or lossless or mm -hmm. both? Mm -hmm. We implement one, you've implemented them both. So it will always be lossy and lossless in all implementations. And then we also support in HD Photo some very powerful decoding capabilities, um, typically f described as progressive decoding. So if I've got this massive JPEG image and all I really need is one little area out of it, I pretty much have to decode the whole image because it's just a big pile of compressed bits. Until I run it through a decoder and get an uncompressed image out, I can't crop down to the piece I want. Mm. Well, with HD Photo, it's fairly structured in that compressed space. Mm -hmm. So I can extract just the portion of compressed data I need for that particular region. I can just index into the file, pull out part of the data, and decode just that part of the data. I don't have to decode the, the entire, entire image. image to do it. Okay. And I can do the same thing um, from a... Uh, uh, from a resolution standpoint, if all I need is a thumbnail of the photo, you can decode uh, just yeah. the thumbnail quality versus a decoding the entire huge image. Absolutely, with JPEG, you yeah. have to decode, decode the whole everything. image and then resize it. Resize it. Right. Here, we can just take a section of the compressed data that represents that lower frequency portion of it, the low huh. resolution, and that's all the data I need. I decode that, and I get a low-resolution version of the picture. So that helps in screen displays of big images. I can do all kinds of cool things. If um, if you've ever, We have a technology preview um, online in, from our live labs group called Photosynth. Okay. Um, if you go to... For, for PC only. For PC only, yeah. Well, it's hmm. kind of we're a, giving you for, a hard for Windows time. only. Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, business when, when are we going to get? When are we going to get a Mac version? Um, I don't know. We've been do, we've been doing pretty good on on um, Firefox plugins and, mm -hmm. and Mac stuff yeah. for some of the web stuff we've been doing. I the Photosynth thing is not a product; it's a technology preview. So, right. um, so, so I don't think it's unreasonable. Yeah, they did the primary. But it could be a product. It's really cool. Well, it's obviously the goal is it'll it'll move into products at some point in time. But right now, we just wanted to go and share the technology preview. Right, and, and, right. The, and the guys over at it's Live awesome. Labs are just it's, totally into very, this. Very, They're yeah. cranking out all this cool stuff and tossing it out on the web and all kinds of betas and stuff. So what does it do? And so Photosynth is a photo viewing application that's designed to take a collection of photos that were all shot um, in the same geographic location and calculate how they relate to each other spatially. So one variation we're familiar with that is, is stitching together panoramas, right? Okay. You, you carefully shoot um, uh, images across a panorama, and then you can have software that can stitch those together and make a, a one huge picture out of right. it. Well, this is very different than that. It analyzes an arbitrary set of photos. They didn't have to be carefully shot with a camera lined up to, yeah. to, on nodal axes and to properly <laughs> do a, a panorama. It just takes any arbitrary collection of photos, but it goes, hey, see that edge of that building? 
building in that photo. I recognize that same edge of the building in this photo over here. At a different angle. Can, I, can I send you one for you guys to play with? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have all. You guys have been working on something yeah. similar. To this. Well, I've been working on. I've been. We've been in Photoshop. No, 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 no. I've been shooting tons and tons of photos of Great Zimbabwe down in you know the the largest man-made stone stru- structure. Oh, that'd be fun. Be fun. Yeah, and they can be all different. You know, close-ups and wide shots. It just <sighs> it it finds out what's similar, and then I've it gives hundreds. you a viewer that basically it's kind of hard to describe. You got to go play with it and see it, but it basically stacks these photos in a three D model. Okay. The where they would line up exactly, it's, you know. If I you don't have to give it any information. It's just uh, what, what information do you need to give you, it. To? You hand it the pile of photos. But and it figures it out. Now, now, let, let, photos, let me right. be very clear. The technology preview we have today doesn't let you throw your photos at it. It's, right. we, we basically the team has come up with this great tool that shows you the viewing experience, but it's still taking a bit of work on their part on the back end to have built some collections of photos for you to view. Hmm. It's just a technology preview. If you've got a set of photos, I'll I'm happy to deliver them to the team. And we'll see if we can get them built into a set. You should let you let me know if it's something you want us to share or we can. No, no, you guys, you guys, you could totally share it. You could totally share it. It would. I would just love to. I just want to see it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, So it's just this incredibly cool viewing experience Mm in that. you, there's basically this kind of 3D model that's not really there because it's not a real it's 3D more like model. It's a data point it's, cloud. It's, it, yeah, the, you, you uh-huh. see a little visually, cloud yeah. of points which make up the 3D model, and all we're showing you is visually a, a point that's something we found in two or more photos. And and so, and so you have to you know, the math is kind of interesting, but but you know you guys okay. in, in the effects world you totally get what's well, like going on. Photogrammetry, you were, it, yeah. By analyzing the photos, position. and the other thing it needed from the photos is it needed the original EXIF metadata. I had to know what the lens setting was because that helps me understand the, view, oh, the view sure. for that particular Football photo. Mm-hmm. But I do enough number crunching on that, and I, every one of those photos, I can not only figure out where the photo sits in the world, I can calculate where the camera was. Right. Right. In relationship to that. How so then we just toss it in a cool viewer that lets you just move to the next photo to the left or the next photo to the right or zoom out and pan around. And again, you can't describe it. You, you go to lab.live.com, labs.live.com slash photosynth. You'll stick it in the show notes, right? With an Certainly. XP yeah. or, yeah. A, yeah. or a Vista machine. Yep. And, uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> I have to admit that it was. And, and it's also, it's creating a point cloud, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that's yeah, basically that's how it established the correlation, and then once it has that three D point cloud, now it knows how to position that two D photo mm-hmm. to you know. So mm-hmm. it maps can can, can we export stuff. the three D point cloud? Like I say right now, it's just a technology, technology. preview. We would really, but, we would really like to have but, the three D uh, point cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that would be very yeah, be ha- make us very happy. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll get you connected up with the right. Does stuff. it use GPS data that might be in the camera? Yet? Uh, nope, doesn't use that at all. It's all okay. done just from from. Could it use GPS data if it was there? Again, I'm not on that team. You. You potentially could, but quite frankly, I think the the precision of the GPS data is yeah. not as good as the precision I can calculate um, from the photo. In reality, this didn't have uh, all of that cool 3D stuff and mm-hmm. lining them up is just, I mean, I love it. It's some really cool stuff. I don't take any credit for that. That's these guys <laughs> over in, in, in Live Labs. But they're using HD Photo mm-hmm. as the format. photo format for that. Because what okay. I now have is I have this collection of 50, 100, 200, 300 photos and they're all 8 megapixel, 10 megapixel sure. digital photos. And I've given you a user interface that lets you easily just jump to that one and pan right, right and grab the next one. So I need to be able to get 
to any one of those photos really fast. And if I'm if the photos way in the distance, I may need a small low resolution yeah. version. But if I want to zoom right in and sure. look at a close up of the photo, I need to get just that data. And I'm doing all of this over the internet. And that's where the multi resolution of the file format comes into play. So we used to do this when I was doing high end simulators. We would have these terabytes at essentially of terrain data for the government for the government okay. so this is doing like high-end flight simulators where you have high-end satellite data and you have to fly over and it has lots of resolution uh-huh. but back in the day you didn't have the processing power to do it right. hd photo is doing what we used to do with high resolution satellite imagery Got but it. doing it with any photo and you, if you have this 3d space even the best 3D cards out there can only run so much visual information through it. Right. But with HD photo, in essence, you're indexing into that. That's what, to me, is it so exciting, is that you you can index into this piece of information, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and pull out just what you need for the visual simulation. So in a 3D environment, mm-hmm. it means you're not filling your entire texture space. So, I mean, in, 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 in one in kind of a, in for, for a gamer, it'd be, it's a level of detail. So it's a, it's a level of detail. LOD to images, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, you know, we built that in there because it's real handy for a digital camera that just wants to show you that little image on the back of the camera mm-hmm. from your high-resolution right. picture and doesn't want to have to decode the whole thing or have to but always doing, have to cache a version right. of it. So it was a powerful feature for that. And these guys you know, that, that did <laughs> Photosynth you know, were just like, oh, we want your file format. Yep. And, they, you know, and they just went nuts, and all of a sudden you know, they're pushing it in all kinds of interesting ways. Um, but it's really great. So that, that ability to intelligently decode a picture yeah. is a hugely powerful thing because it allows me to do the same kind of stuff I could do with other formats, but much, much more efficiently. So it's a huge, huge performance. So as far as processing power, because we're talking about this with JPEG 2000, Mm -hmm. the algorithm basically sounds like that one of the major advantages also behind the file format and the algorithms are behind it is that it can be processed on a lot lower end processing horsepower. Yeah, absolutely. From the beginning... It was given from the start that our ultimate goal here is this has to be inside cameras, mm-hmm. digital cameras. And you know, low-end digital cameras are ASICs. They're not even processors. You know, they're custom circuits. And so it has to be a really simple algorithm. It turns out it's something we have quite a bit of expertise in, and even in the group that I'm part of, because we're the same group that's done Windows Media Audio and Windows Media Video and VC1, you know, which is in all kinds of tiny little inexpensive uh, music players and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So understanding that business in that market and, you know, how you build an algorithm so it can be easily implemented in ASIC, how it can take advantage of parallelism and higher end. That's all stuff we do happen to have some pretty good expertise in, and we've mm-hmm. leaned on that pretty heavily from the beginning in designing HD Photo, that, you know, that was part of the problem we had to solve, is to make sure it worked in those very low-end, um, inexpensive devices. So, yeah, we're absolutely designed for that. We are not as simple as JPEG. It's a little more complex than JPEG to get that 2x improvement Mm -hmm. in quality. We have to do a little more work. But then on the other hand, if I can make a file that's half the size, that's half as much compressed data data that I'm actually touching. So the actual amount of work I I do may be less. And not only is it less, I'm going to need, I'm going to be able to be able to have a less expensive device mm-hmm. because my RAM for for um, buffering in the camera for burst mode can be smaller because the compressed data is smaller. Um, the battery is going to last longer because mm-hmm. I'm writing less data to the compact flash card. Um, with wireless becoming a cool new feature, we're going to see more and more in digital cameras. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, the size of the data I have to move it gets real important. Mm-hmm. So those transfer times are going to be smaller. So there's just all other kinds of collateral benefits that come from good compression. Um, 
without even getting into the high dynamic range, wide right. gamut capabilities. So, so I say HD Photo is a lot of things all in one format, but that was the goal. So, now, where can we find it? So, <laughs> HD Photo's in Vista. Okay, great. Uh, so it's 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 there. It's buried away inside it. Again, there's, <laughs> you know, if you don't have any HD Photo files to hand to Vista, the Vista can't do much with it. But but it's in there. Um, one of the cool things that we announced a few weeks ago um, is a plugin for Photoshop. So we worked with Adobe. Adobe's been great mm-hmm. to work with on this. And so we have a uh, we have the beta version available, the Windows beta version. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but we're doing a Mac version too. Yeah, and, uh, and so, uh, <laughs> quite frankly, how good are you guys at writing installers for the Mac? That's what I. That's a job. Installers. Right? We've got some skills. <laughs> yeah, we, we can, that's that's we the last it. thing I'm doing to get the beta out. We basically have the Mac beta ready to go. Oh, I no. just, I'm whipping oh, really? up an installer well, for it. And, oh, um, hey, let's talk. Stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys send us stuff. We'll bring the installer <laughs> for it, and then and then uh, we'll send you some photos, and you make us a. Yeah, it sounds like a great picture. Cloud, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but so so we'll have that, and within within another few weeks, we'll have the release versions of those, and those are just free to download. So that gives you full HD photo capability in Photoshop. And that's really cool in Photoshop um, because Photoshop supports high dynamic range, wide gamut. Yeah. So you go to especially 30, the new version. It has CS3 has really improved that over CS2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you know you go to 32 bit mode in Photoshop, and then when you do the save to HD photo, you can pick: Do I want to save it in 16 bit fixed point, 16 bit? Oh yeah, that was my um, next question. Floating so, point, so 32 bit fixed point. Yeah, it's just the options in the save dialog. Because what's had, the exact pixel format? Because it's always 32 bit float inside Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Right. As soon right. as I go to that's 16 bit in Photoshop. I'm unsigned integer. I'm not high dynamic range, right. wide gamut. And the um, the profile with CS2, Photoshop was a little non specific about well, what that high dynamic range really well, was. Well, it didn't. It, I have to say, because I do a lot of high dynamic yeah. range stuff, the CS2 did not work well with high dynamic range it, stuff. It, it, it was, definitely had some limitations. Yeah, had but, problems. But well, they, they, they put it in because we kept on asking for it. Yeah, and, and they got it in there, and that right. was great, but they've really, you know, the, I the think got version. it going slick yeah, in actually, CS3. one of the people so. I work with it was working very closely with them on some of the beta stuff to make sure it was working, yeah. so... So um, so yeah so that's uh, uh, so that's that's fully supported and and so Adobe in CS3 has this color profile in 32-bit float mode called linear RGB mm-hmm. and that yeah. is essentially the equivalent of what we call sCRGB um, in Vista Windows Vista which is a high dynamic range. Um, wide gamut color space. Again, okay. using fixed point and floating point numbers, the concept of the gamut kind of goes away. Right. The gamut is defined as where 0.0 is and where 1.0 is, but with a floating point number, the it actual range is huge. Yeah. And so what sCRGB is, which is actually a, a, an ISO standard, Microsoft helped develop it, um, it's the same white point and it's the same color primaries as sRGB. So the conversion from sCRGB to sRGB is a scaling issue. It's not a color space, a matrix multiply, right. a simple scaling. Um, and But the other difference is sRGB that we all know and love has this mm. gamma curve in it, not gamut, but gamma. The shape of the curve isn't linear. We That's so we can weight the, how we spend the pixels up to the higher end, of the brighter end of the range and less of the lower end. But when we have more pixels to spend in, in this high dynamic range, we can go back to being truly linear. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Adobe's linear RGB, just like sCRGB, is a linear gamma, 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 get this right. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, um, and that's ideal 
for actually doing the image processing. Right. You want to do your image processing in a linear space. Mm -hmm. uh, space. So we were answering the question of where can you get it. It's built into Vista. We have mm -hmm. Photoshop plugins, the Windows beta available now, Mac real soon now. Mm -hmm. um, we have a device porting kit, and that's designed uh, uh, That's for the camera manufacturers, okay. and it, but it's really for anyone else. So the device porting kit is available for download. It includes the Bitstream specification. It includes ANSI C reference source code for the encoder and the decoder. It's basically what um, any device manufacturer or any other platform manufacturer needs to, to implement a version of the codec for their platform. Has anyone talked about any camera manufacturers gotten close to supporting it, or are they? Well, this is this is area where I'm. I can't be here making announcements for other companies. So, uh, <laughs> but the camera business is kind of interesting because. Um, there's there's multiple tiers to the technology. So we all know names like Canon and Nikon and Kodak and mm -hmm. Fuji. Well, in fact, 99% of the cameras have chips inside them that don't come from those companies. Right. They buy One those or two chips. manufacturers. Yeah, from <laughs> Sun Plus and um, Zoran and TI mm -hmm. that make those chips. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then in a lot of cases, those chips go into reference designs that are made by other companies. BenQ is a company that makes reference reference designs that get licensed to the company that actually puts the plastic and the brand and the stuff on it. So putting HD photo inside a camera starts way down at the silicon first. It's got to get inside right. those chips. And so a couple of those companies, and uh, again, I'm on the development side. I'm not on the business side, so I, I'm not going to remember all the names. But I know Sun Plus over a year ago announced that they've got HD photo in their chipsets and ready to go. I'm not privy to all the deals Sun Plus might be making with their customers. Right. There's been a couple other of those chip companies that have made similar announcements. But I think one of the differentials here, if I'm not mistaken, is that there is no fee for p including HD photo in your hardware or in your software. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. That, that it's, in essence, an open access that you can go in and get the libraries. You can put this in your software. You can add it in and you can add support for it without having to well, pay licensing This is always fees. a big concern. You always get in this licensing fee. You get the same thing that we're seeing with MPEG. I mean, you know, there's right. all well, this. Even H264 even. I mean, well, I mean, H264, H264, MPEG4, you know, all it's this really, stuff. It really is tough and it's challenging and there's there's business issues. What's the business we're in? Where do our revenue come from? Um, there's intellectual property issues and who owns the intellectual property? Who controls that and how is that licensed and who's protecting that intellectual property? Um, and and and, yeah, I wish all this stuff was simple. I wish you could just say, oh, yeah, it's open. But, you know, open is such a loaded word. Right, right. So we make this available with a simple click-through license. The license has some obligations. Mm -hmm. But the obligation is that you're building HD photo. So one thing we are protecting that we're not doing with a porting kit is saying, take these inventive ideas we came up with in compression, which are now fully documented in the spec and the sorting kit, and go make your own compressed format. The license does not allow you to do that. So mm -hmm. from that standpoint, I reserve the right that I can use my own compression technology to do other things with, but I want people to support HD photo. So and if what you're building is support for, for HD photo, mm -hmm. that's, that's you're totally free to do. If you do want to license my technology to build your own file format, I'm happy to talk to you about yeah. that. It's probably just not going to be free. <laughs> or maybe it will be, but that'll be next year's discussion, you know, not this mm -hmm. year's. Mm -hmm. um, I think the general perception is in the still image market, file formats, compression technology is free. Back to the days of JPEG. Hmm. And indeed, all of a sudden, we all got surprised about that. We thought it was free, right. and then, We've you know... We've talked about it on the show before. Yeah, raised, <laughs> well, look, at, look at LZW compression. 
yeah. LZW, yeah. like with the the GIF, GIF, TIFF, TIFF, all the that. Yeah, all the ifs. Yeah, all the ifs. <laughs> where where that became the stumbling block or the the showstopper for the compression format, yeah. or not for not for the compression form, but for the format itself. Yeah. And that's why Ping got made. And that's and it just kind of gets to the whole. I don't want to call it ugly, but I did, side of the business, you know, where there's companies out there that perceive the business opportunity, the revenue-generating business opportunity, if they got their hands on some intellectual property and the way intellectual property laws work and the way the process works, they're going to try to maximize the value of that any way they can. Um, Microsoft invests a tremendous amount in creating and protecting our own intellectual property, mm. um, but we're in the operating system business. We're in the platform business, and you know, and so we're giving away HD Photo because it's a platform enabler. It, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. creates new innovative stuff. A great example of that is, you know, I talk to camera manufacturers, and I go, yeah, yeah, why is you guys, you know, sensors really haven't changed that much. You reduce the noise on them a little bit, you know, and you've solved some problems. But, you know, there must be, you know, we look at stuff that Fuji's done for example, with their super CCDSR sensor, which is, you know, a higher dynamic range sensor. And there's weird sensors that are used in security cameras that have these huge high dynamic range. But your average digital camera, they all use the same basic sensors that a couple companies manufacture. And and the answer to the that issue is because there's no reason to. The sensors today in every camera make great JPEG files. You know? <laughs> right. So you know, five years ago, camera manufacturers might have been competing on quality, you know, and then they got into the megapixel battle, and mm-hmm. now they're realizing that that's not the battle. So it's it's cost and it's bells and whistles features. It's now, not. Now, what do you think is the battle right now? Well, I, I think cost and bells and whistle features is kind of what we're seeing in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're adding. It's cool stuff, and I and I and I don't mean to slight it by calling it bells and whistles, but. You know, adding face recognition in the camera to Which try means to control to autofocus and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, sorry, face detection is what right. I should describe. It's not recognized, just detecting faces. Um, but, you know, for the large part, it's it's just a cost battle. It's how far right. can I drive my manufacturing costs down to keep my margins, yeah, you know. I, I know for me, you know, points. when I look at it, I look at what I'm always, like, the holy Image grail for me. Yeah. Well, for, for me, the holy grail is high ISO that's clean mm-hmm. and raw, which could be replaced with... Something like HD Photo, sure. but I mean, not something not JPEG. Right. So, so, so I want something better than JPEG, and I want to have a clean, uh, high ISO. For me, that's the only thing that I really when, when I'm looking at little cameras. I mean, my big cameras all have that, right. but the little cameras because I'm trying to find a new pocket camera. Yeah, and it's, and, it's uh, tough because first of all, as soon as you said RAW, you're you're off into one little ten percent like or S70 less. Seventy or something. I think the, the Canon S70, I think, is like this wee little. <laughs> yeah. You know, Leica makes one, and yeah. there's you know, yeah, exactly. And so. it gets and that piece gets you know smaller and smaller. But it's kind of, but it's interesting. In some cases, they push the RAW even lower and lower in the product line because it's just become the thing. Oh, you right. have to shoot RAW. RAW. I don't know why. I just I got to shoot raw. Well, that's that, but that's me. the mythology that goes along yeah. with all this stuff. Yeah. That you know, like workflow and how do I get the best image? And I have to use an SLR type. Yeah. Well, my my big thing for raw is just that I, I want to be able to color balance it later. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. just shoot a lot, and I and I and, and I'm, I set everything to manual. So sometimes I forget to change it from indoor to outdoor, and yeah. I just want to. Or for someone like it. me who's doing high dynamic range imaging, I see now. I, the, you know what's interesting is is that sometimes I find that the high dynamic range imaging, the raw, you end up with more grain. I've heard yes, I've well. 
yeah, if we then get what, HD, then JPEG. Well, there are some some people are saying that you can just shoot JPEG and get the dynamic range you need and take enough exposures uh, versus using RAW because mm. you're actually going to get different noise patterns and things like that. So it, it's now, kind do you, of a do you find do you find that the, the noise pattern is different for the RAW? Well, again, the, the, the problem with JPEG is so much has been thrown away by the time it gets to right. that JPEG file, and and the camera has probably done a bunch of other processing, mm -hmm. recognizing that, which includes a significant amount of noise reduction and stuff. So RAW is I'm just getting all the data, so it's in my control to do all the same things. Right. You know, and 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 there is a there is a tweaky little segment of the market. Uh, I'm that way sometimes too myself, <laughs> which you know will never let go of raw, even with HD photo being everywhere, because I really care about issues of well, right. do I do my noise reduction in the raw domain or do I do it after demosaicing, well, you know, in the <laughs> RGB domain? And but it's like in video, that's your acquisition format, yeah. and then you know, to me, HD photo it just in, in my mind is is sort of what you do afterwards. It's Kind of like the ProRes 422 equivalent, well, or it's going to give video. standard cameras, if I'm not mistaken. You know, a better oh, image right but, out of the camera. But, but that's what I want. I want it in the camera now. But 90% yeah. of the reason people shoot RAW today, certainly 90% of the reason I shoot RAW, and 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 mm -hmm. I do a lot of photography. Um, is that ability to adjust the white balance after the fact right. and to have full control exposure. over the exposure, yeah. to not have yes. sacrificed right. any portion of the dynamic range to make a good-looking photo. Right. Um, and those two capabilities exist in a 16-bit fixed-point HD photo file ah. because I was able to take all that camera sensor data, mm -hmm. map it to this sCRGB color space, fit it inside those 16 mm. bits, and still make a decision of what I wanted it to look like. But the, the extended gamut range and the extended exposure range is still encoded in there. Ah. Which is so I can make those adjustments. So I, so if I set my camera to be the, this fat HD photo version, it's still going to be a lot smaller than the RAW. Well, Bye. there's this other little challenge um, comparing to RAW because RAW it has not been demosaic yet. So again, the dirty little secret is my 16 megapixel camera only captures 5.3 megapixels of, yeah, of RGB information. Actually, less than that, it captures four megapixels of RGB information, because each one of those pixels is one color. It's a green pixel. It's a red pixel. It's a blue pixel. Oh. Which is the whole thing about the Foveon, right? Yes. Is uh, well, yes and no. So when Foveon says they have a nine megapixel camera. They said, we're going to use the same way you count pixels as, as everyone else uses. So that's a three-megapixel three. image sensor Time that's three layers deep, hence uh, nine megapixels. But you know, right. So it's, that Foveon is just basically saying, well, if you're going to get away with counting pixels that way, Because you were looking at the Foveon the cameras, way. and you're going, well, it's only three megapixels. Because at the beginning, that's what they, they would do it as, th you know, how many. It, when they first announced it, yeah, they, they did describe it as a three-megapixel. And, and that was at the height of the megapixel wars. Right. So smart marketing people said, "Screw it, we'll count, we'll call it nine megapixels because each of my pixels yeah. is three levels deep, and since each of your pixels is right. only one color, you know, yeah, I can, equivalently, I can count them the same way." Yeah. Um, so the uh, I totally lost where we were, we were going talking about with the those. file oh, so size raw versus the high end HD. The key photo. is so a raw yeah. file in in a totally uncompressed space. Mm -hmm. A raw file is by definition one third the size of an RGB file because when I demosaic it. I have to manufacture the missing green pixel and blue pixel to go with the red pixel that I captured. Which is why it's inherently and, soft. Yeah. 
Yes. Right? And, and you also get Flexible. certain types of, of chromatic artifacts oh, because because the red and the green and the blue weren't exactly aligned with each other. They There's were they're offset, offset by, by a pixel, <laughs> and that, that creates certain kinds of chromatic artifacts. Now, all of that becomes inconsequential when I crank up the megapixels. So, you know, when I'm shooting with a uh, consumer with a 12-megapixel yeah. camera, you don't need 12 megapixels unless, you know, you really like to bracket you know, frame really wide and crop a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's more, you know, unless you're making wall-sized posters, that's overkill. So what you're really doing is totally oversampling your image. So all kinds of issues are that. Uh, those chromatic aberrations that are caused by demosaicing and stuff essentially go away. Once you sample it down to uh, four megapixels or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I or shouldn't less. say they go away, but they certainly become you know far less. Less. Yeah. And and that's you know. Uh, basically, a foveon does the same thing just by stacking the pixels as opposed to you know spreading them out and doing it. But so you do always get an advantage in the raw domain because I haven't gone through this demosaicing process, which triples the size of the data, interpolating all the missing values. Oh. That's one of the really cool things about. Oh God, am I going to be the one to bring up the topic? Um, <laughs> red raw, the red raw format. Yeah. What do I, the, I got the name. red codec? Red red. What, what red code raw? The, yeah, I forgot the yeah, name. Red, Red Code, Code Raw. Raw. Yeah, you know, a cr- obviously brilliant idea is just keep the data stream, you know, in the in the file format. Well, in the mosaic domain, right. don't don't explode it up to three times that while I'm concerned about bit rates and stuff. So that's a that's a smart idea. Now it, they're able to do it because it's a one chip camera. You know, your three-chip camera gives you separate red, green, and blue. So, you know, so they, they, they still have to deal with the fact that it is a mosaic sensor and they're doing demosaicing and they're subject to all those same kind of artifacts. But I guess from everything, I, certainly I've seen, they, awesome. they're doing a damn good job <laughs> yeah. with those issues. Yeah. You know, doesn't look, look too bad. But sorry, I didn't mean to take us off to the, to the, the red, red, the red uh, rat hole. You better than us. It wouldn't be the, the twim show right. without uh, the red. Yeah, we yeah, didn't exactly. actually say that word. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, not in reference to the color. Exactly. All right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, okay. So, so you get that advantage in, in with with raw data is it's it's inherently a third the amount of data, and That's so writing to the chip in the camera at the time. Is this because, what you're well, saying? it hasn't gone through the demosaicing process. So when when mm-hmm. I demosaic that data, I triple the amount of data. Every pixel that's only one color has to I have to manufacture the other two colors. To that happens there, outside basically. of the camera. Well, that's that's the Currently. raw conversion step. Yeah. Yes, in okay. the, in the computer. So when I yes. capture raw, yes, that's what's happening Got with it. Adobe Camera Raw okay. or an Aperture. You know, when I when I do that process, mm-hmm. so you get that inherent advantage with with raw files of. Um, of that better compression. Now, so where's the trade-off? Most RAW formats use a lossless compression. They typically get around 1.8 to 2 to 1, maybe 2.2 to compression. Totally varies on what the content is. Shoot Mm -hmm. a dark wall and you're going to get a ton more compression you know than a very detailed brightness. And that's why most cameras that shoot in RAW will not give you a accurate number of photos you can fit on your memory card because it oh, changes depending with every on, image you shoot. Sure. So that's why it will say... That's why it keeps changing on Exactly. Yeah. That's why the number might actually... Oh. It will say you have 88 photos and suddenly it will go to like 84. And I'm like, wait, how did I get... And, and they go back up. And they go back up. Because it yeah. keeps re-estimating based on uh, yeah. what you're shooting. Um, some some cameras, um, I believe Nikon and some of their lower-end cameras, D40 and, and D50, things like that, um, use a lossy compression 
mm-hmm. for the raw data. So they're willing to sacrifice a little quality. Wow. People little are still buying it as quote unquote raw yeah. because they think they're getting straight to the metal you know, images. Right, but they've actually, and, and, and even yeah. raw in every camera, everything is, is, yeah. yeah. It's 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 rare. It's not raw. I mean, you're not you're not actually you're not actually recording the um, the voltages that came off the sensor. They're doing some analog processing, some noise. So so even what goes into a raw file has gone through some amount of signal okay. processing. You know, before definitely before YMMV. Yeah. <laughs> so wait wait wait. I don't get it. Why your mileage may vary. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I thought it was a geek term that I was missing. Nope. <laughs> so so HD photo, an HD photo mm-hmm. file is going to be a full red, green, blue file. And we can apply lossy or lossless compression. Yeah. Uh, I would say in reality, they're not going to be smaller than raw files. Okay. They could be. I could do as much as 6x or 8x or 10x lossy compression in HD photo. And I'm, how we can look at examples and here. We, and we I can look at I, we, we can look at 10x. We can look at 20x. And you probably won't even see the difference. You know, in the quality of that photo, but it's not it's not lossless, and you know, so where you set that is totally dependent on you know what what the scenario is. But yeah. I have this inherent disadvantage in that I've, I'm compressing the information after it's already been demosaicked, and so there was three times as much data I had to compress. So to be a smaller file size, I have to be three times more compression plus some. Um, to, to be mm-hmm. a, a smaller file. Mm-hmm. But the advantage I have is I'm not a raw file coming out. I'm a file that is, as soon as it arrives, you can view it. It's all ready to be viewed, but it yes. still con- can contain as this broader range that. of data. Interesting. Um, to, Which is why, in, in some ways, it would be great, to, as you were talking about earlier, is to be in a camera because then it's getting that... Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Once before it's, there. it's been mosaic, before it's been all this stuff, and it's converted into a, into a, fo- well, a format. Well, but let's be real candid about this. Until HD photo is in cameras, right. we're really not going to care about it. It's going right. to be an interesting format. Right. Right. You're the kind of guys that might find some great ways to apply it, but it's not going to replace JPEG because right. that's... That's where photos come from. They come from cameras. JPEG files come from cameras. Mm-hmm. So we're very committed to that. We worked really hard to make it available, to make it free. We're committed to standardizing it um, you know, and to making it an industry standard yeah. um, to all help achieve that adoption. But, you know, it's not well, going to happen tomorrow. Right. right. It will take some time. It will take short, some cycles. But short of cameras, I can see the medical application being mm-hmm. pr- pretty important, just as we described, or even military. But those are all still small. Scientific. These are all all small fish compared to um, the big consumer. My Nikon handheld camera doing whatever it's doing. My cell phone camera. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It has built in compression already. Yes. By nasty compression. Man, my trio camera stinks. (laughs) That's all I got to say. I started posting to Vox. Um, I, you know, I got. So so Leo's finally sold me on this idea that I should, you know, be. Let people know where you're actually at. Uh, yeah, he's got, so I got, I got, I got. Um, what was it? Uh, the Alex Lindsay dot Alex Lindsay all one word dot vox dot com. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you seen Vox? I've I've heard about it. I just. I, maybe I'm showing my age, but you know, it, things it like Vox, me. things like Twitter. Stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Leo is like I, way ahead. I can't ahead. get into this. <laughs> you got to get Leo. Leo is like a light year ahead of me right now. Yeah. You know, with this thing. You know, so he's he he does all of it, like all of it. Just mm-hmm. and, and, and he's got he's it's got a problem. He's got and he, and he had he's got Twitter and he had like twenty six hundred or or three thousand three thousand plus people listening <laughs> Twitter, to his Twitter. People following yeah. around to know where Leo is. You know, and yeah. and so. Uh, uh, so he's doing that, and then uh, and then he got into J- Jaiku. 
mm-hmm. Jaiku, and 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 I just skip the whole Twitter thing. See, what I do is I is I I get like Leo in cycles, so he'll go through a whole bunch of technologies, and I'll just just grab every third kind of like Cycle. a wave. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. whole set. It's you know, sample. it's, it's a, a set. There's a set. And so so anyway, so um so we got on the box and then I have like alexlindsay.jaiku.com and then alexlindsay.box.com and and um and uh the I started taking pictures with my of course with my with my D20 or my 20D. I, why did why did they make them so close? Anyway, so um, <laughs> my twenty D, and then I started putting them up, and they look great. And then of course I was excited because I was like, oh, it's a low resolution. I'll just put put up my trio, and then you see the compression. Man, it's not even compression. Uh, it's, it's just it's a cheap little plastic lens. 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 Right. It's, it's just a horrible. Insy bitty little yeah. sensor, which means that those pixels are so small that the ability oh to gosh. capture light is, is real limited. So I want so so I mean so I, that's an area where I think we are seeing some innovations. There's liquid lenses that are being those developed are now, cool. which are really yeah. cool. No, it's uh, a good time. I mean, yeah, it, uh, this is such an better. amazing time yeah. to be into photography and yeah. movie making and everything else because it's 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 that's insane. It's sexy right now. So there's a lot of money being thrown at it. And there's a lot of people being... I, know, I remember when I saw the first digital camera in, in the early 90s, I was like, you know, they're not going to sell film past 2000. I was, I was a little <laughs> optimistic, you know. But uh, but I think by 2010, I don't, I don't see us really using... It's film is a consumer market. I mean, it'll be yeah. like it'll be kind of well, like uh, I, I'm SX, actually it'll be kind of like SX Polaroid. You know, yeah. you know, SX70. You know, uh, you know, it's something that people use, but you know, you don't. Not every day. Look at the fate of Kodak, you know. Follow their stock and Mm. their market cap, you know. (laughs) You can get an idea of what that like. It's tough. Yeah. So, Bill, you have a blog. Yeah, I have a blog. That talks about pretty much everything that we've talked about. It's, uh, but it's got some really cool comparisons of JPEG versus HD photo. It's yeah, got I'm, I'm a lousy blogger, so I don't update it as frequently as I should. But it's <laughs> the same kind of thing. You get into it, and then it's right. like you know, five other things. But but the whole blog is focused on HD photo, and mm-hmm. it, it's exactly to share the same kind of stuff we're talking about here. So um, um, blogs.msdn.com slash Bill Crow. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, we'll put that in the show notes, of yep. course. So, and yeah. so, so now I'm going to be motivated after this podcast. Yeah, see, yeah, now so everyone's going to be like, "What happened?" Go get an update, get some, <laughs> get some fresh stuff up there. But yeah, yeah it's it's pretty much geeky HD photo stuff. It's very it's very cool that you've talked about the process as you've gone. You know, like yeah, it got announced. Here's the, the this this it, info, and it's really cool. One of the things that's just been so cool at Microsoft is. Then I can even do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a, pro, a, a program manager. I'm a guy in a development organization. I mean, I'm here talking to you guys, and, and there's no Wagner Ekstrom people person here hanging over mm-hmm. my shoulder. Right. And the <laughs> blogs are that way, too. And it's great because it, I have to tell you, it gets so frustrating sometimes being a Microsoft employee and listening to the world's perception of Microsoft. And right. it's like, hey, I work here. I don't know who you're talking about, yeah. but, yeah. you know, that, that's not us. Well, and, my perception uh, of Microsoft yeah. has changed really dramatically in the last two years because of the ability for people to talk about what they're doing. Yeah, and, and there's really bright people that work there. And then before they were shielded, they had no way of telling that story. So you were left to the evil empire ideal. <laughs> and it's not. No, there's no sign re- up to that. But yeah, no, I know no, what no, you're but, talking about. But there's no there's yeah, no the need for that. I mean, so, 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 but I'm just one of thousands of employees that have blogs out there talking about what they do and you yeah. know and, and what they're working on. And there's there's Channel Nine, which mm-hmm. is they're doing mm-hmm. videos. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, where these guys in Channel Nine run around and on ten is doing the same stuff with the a little more consumer oriented and enthusiast oriented where Channel Nine's developer oriented. And so for us it's really cool because it's the same old Microsoft. I've been there eight years. It's the same 
same old Microsoft. It's a great company. They're, you know, they are incredibly smart people, and it's really fun being in that environment. And so there's just there has been a bit of a renaissance, and it's really driven by technology and mm-hmm. podcasts and blogs and things like that that's helped provide a vehicle for where we can just be more transparent about that and you know kind of see you know Microsoft the company as opposed to Microsoft the company that's tied up in whatever the latest right. litigation is over something. Right. You, you but know you, we're going to be revealing litigating the something. man behind the right. curtain. I think that's essential to to the success, the future success of Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. Well, I say I think I think you know the new media has is it's one of the cool things it enables. You know, I think it would have been hard to do um, without the, the right kind of media vehicles you know, to so make that happen. I'm sort of curious. You said you listened to our show on your uh, Zoom. Yeah, so, I was going to ask him the so same. <laughs> how do you do that? What's what's the process? Um, uh, it's you know, it's um, I, I use Doppler. To collect my podcasts and stuff, so that works great. Is that a can, Windows? Yeah, no, it's app? yeah, it's a Windows. I think they have. A, I don't know if they have Mac and Windows versions, but it's just a, a pod, uh, you know, Podcatcher, an RSS uh-huh. aggregator and stuff. So, you know, we sign up for the RSS feeds. Doppler lets you do cool stuff to set metadata tags as it captures it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Tosses it all in a directory. You know, the Zune, uh, the the. Um, PC software for the Zune is just basically a media library, um, very much like iTunes in the sense yeah. that it talks to a, a service in the cloud, but it also organizes your files that are on your disk. Yeah. So I just point it to the directory where I put all the podcasts. Every podcast goes in its own subdirectory. Every mm-hmm. time I fire that up, it just like oh, iTunes, okay. it enumerates the files that are out there, sync my Zune, and boom, they're all on my Zune. And, oh, okay. you know, I mean, it'd be cool. It would be really cool when, and I think we will eventually get there again. Not my end of the business, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you know we have the that service in the cloud as well too that provides the aggregation of podcasts, you know, as, mm-hmm. as a service, opposed to me having to go Manually find the RSS it. feed and, right. and and add a new right. entry into Doppler. But quite right. frankly, once you set it up, I mean, it's trivial. It just no runs. Problem. I pop it in. It syncs up. I grab and go. And it's in like and, a music uh, directory on the Zoom. Yeah, it I've just never, shows up. And it shows up in the music directory, yeah. and uh, you know, and I, again, I pick my. Uh, you try to set my metadata up so basically every different podcast shows up as what's the equivalent of a different album and mm. yes. you know and the cool. different um, shows are within that and you know it does it, it's just a few things that aren't podcast friendly like <laughs> it, it finds the it finds the first image in the directory and decides that's the album art and it applies to all the songs because it thinks it's an album. Uh, so, right. you know, where you have a podcast where they have a different piece of art for every podcast. Right. Um, mm-hmm. What's an example of that? Uh, Gizwiz, Daily Gizwiz is yeah. a good example mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you get Monday's product, you know, showing right. up for all, all the week's shows because <laughs> it just, whatever was the first picture, it said that's the album and stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. But, you know, I mean... When it gets right down to it, I mean, it's just a, it's an MP3 player. Does it play AAC? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we oh, talked about wow. that before. Yes. It does play AAC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Actually, there's a lot of devices that play AAC yeah. that people yeah. don't. I mean, why it won't. So it won't. And, and, and yeah. MP4 oh, yeah, videos. I, I actually, mm-hmm. like, I mean, the thing that, that I'd like to play with with the Zoom was is mostly uh, the wireless uh, subscription. Well, the subscription no. service. Right. I, I'm I'm very fascinated by the idea That's, of getting a subscription service. The subscription service is just so cool. I know. I, mean, it's just, I know. It's the problem there's, is I have. There's no other way to do it. The, quite frankly, the idea of owning music is. It, to me, just doesn't make sense. Once I started on started using it. Well, so. I've gotten into this thing where I want both. Yeah. I want I want to be able to have a subscription and then just buy the songs that I really, really, really want. Yeah, and, and 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 I do that same thing. But when I buy the song again, it's and I've heard you guys talk about. It, I just go out and buy the CD and I rip the CD mm-hmm. and stuff because 
because while DRM enables some markets and make things happen, it's still a pain in the butt. We all know it's right. a pain in the butt. <laughs> and it's, it's reliability over time is suspect. So when right. I think about owning something, I'm trusting in the persistence of a DRM solution. And, right. you know, that's maybe a little problematic. With a mm-hmm. rental model, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I, could, I could change the service tomorrow. And, you know, other than just the potential size of the different catalogs, I can just go grab all the same stuff again. And so it makes DRM an incredibly um, acceptable solution. In that area, yeah. You know, uh, for that. But just the idea, you know, I see an act on Letterman, and it's like, poof. Turn around, yeah, add it to my library. It's in my Zoom the next day, and you know I'm off and running. And it's just, you, you don't stop to think about, well, do I really want to invest in that music? You know, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. um, so the subscription is pretty cool. Yeah. So I had one other thing I wanted to talk to you about since I got oh, you guys cool. together. Yeah. It's Alex oh. in his TV set. I couldn't believe it. So you did finally buy a TV and not at home. So <laughs> but he, not, not, so, not in the house. It's so still here at the office. Still here at yeah, the office. Here's, uh, my, yeah. here's my fun rant, which drives me nuts. On one hand, you guys talk about HD, and you got your 950, and you shoot <laughs> Mac Break Weekly in HD, <laughs> and on the next breath, you'll tell me, how, yeah, well, I'll watch Lost off iTunes. <laughs> Man, if you haven't watched Lost on HD, HD. I mean, it's just a different experience. And, you know, yeah, we can talk about MacroBlock artifacts all the day. Hey, I'm a compression guy. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I, I we see have them already, all too. Yeah. But it is still such, a, you know, I will a admit, I will admit, even, even the difference, even the difference in Lost, uh, like my wife did not like it at all. She was just like, ah, whatever. Oh no, 24. She she didn't she didn't like 24 at all. But I was showing her the stuff I downloaded on iTunes. Yeah. And literally just renting the DVD, just the difference between, you know, yeah. iTunes and the DVD was enough for her to go, "Oh, this is really really great." And of course what I, you know, what I want and what I'm assuming I'm going to get with iTunes is that is that area, but you got to get. I mean, I sit there, and to me, like narrative stuff is kind of like unless it's Star Wars or Pirates of the Caribbean or, or something that I want to see like in every pixel or three hundred. Uh, you know, I, I kind of look at it like, ah, uh, you know, I'll just, you know, I'm usually having a Manhattan, and I'm just kind of, it's my tune. Like me watching TV is mostly me, the last hour of consciousness of me just kind of <laughs> tuning off into, you know, that's that's the, literally the only time I see a TV is the actually, last I hour I'm, I'm awake. The only one here I, who has a cable subscription, actually. I, I, yeah, I so. have to say, I've just pretty much, if it's not in HD, I just don't even watch it anymore. And I, I, mean, and I will say, you know, here's the frustrating part yeah. of this whole thing is that, so it, I. I didn't really notice it until I was, you know, um, I didn't really think about it until I was at the lab. So we were recording the lab last week uh, at uh, the lab with Leo or whatever. And, uh, and I was um, looking at the monitor that's being fed straight from the mixer to the monitor, you know, mm-hmm. and it's being shot on XT cam and it's being, you know, mixed out. But it's HD SDI and then mm-hmm. being mixed out, uncompressed signal. And it's the most gorgeous photo I've ever seen. It's just not what I see in cable, you know. You know, it's, you know, and so, um, you know, it, it was this gorgeous image. I mean, it just unbelievably gorgeous image. Yeah. And I looked at it thinking, if, now if that's what cable looked like every single time, I'd be there. It, it would be real interesting, actually, to. to Look at a broader cross section of cable providers and you know and things like that because you know I've uh, I have a Directv service I, I live out in the boonies but I also have a, a condo near the Microsoft office because it's too far to commute on a regular basis <laughs> and so I have cable there and it's it's Comcast service in in the Redmond area and it really isn't bad yeah there is some stuff especially 24 is one of those shows which is such a dark show mm-hmm. you'll tend to see the blockiness yep. and stuff right. Lost looks f- phenomenal for the most part it's incredibly high quality. Right. HD stuff. Um, 
I haven't watched much HD at all on on satellite, but just their standard F stuff is gets almost unwatchable sometimes. Well, my parents but have I, DirecTV, and I'm yeah. like, Ugh. but I'm just I'm wondering, you know, if we if we can get away with talking about cable in the lowercase general sense, or whether there really is some significant difference among different cable providers I, I actually have by brand or by region and stuff. It, because, w- it would be interesting to do, yeah. do some tests there, and, and because I I do think that it's. It's frustrating. I mean, they're they're packing as many of these, uh, they're, they're packing as much as they can into these little signals and and, and trying to get as much to us and as much choices. And and for me, this is one of the big advantages of progressive download and and not dealing with streaming at all and yeah. not dealing with cable is that I can give you a bit be, a better image. You know, I can give you something bigger um, and less Guaranteed. compressed. Yeah. So so to play well. So have have you guys looked at or played at all with the video marketplace on Xbox Live? I have. So I, I it is very cool. I mean, this it is, is very cool. this to me is just so cool. I mean, it's got a ways to go to build mm-hmm. a catalog, mm-hmm. um, but they've really just got it got it rolling. And you know, it's basically from your Xbox, jump over to the Media Blade, go to the directory, browse the directory of movies, right. pick a movie, high def download. Well, and it is the closest know, to what Al, I think all at your TV set. Yes. Yeah. Again, so. totally all of the TV set. You know, the I mean. Um, Apple TV's an interesting step in that direction, and it's cool, but it's still very much tied to the PC experience. Wait, and, for uh, the moment. You know, yeah. Although, you know, I, you know the, the, yeah. at first, a lot of people say, oh, you're never going to download stuff directly. You know, how are you going to do that? But yeah. the thing is, is that I'm, I'm going through and downloading trailers. You know, you know like yeah. I'm, I'm accessing those through the Internet. I, yeah. I, you know, there's this mm-hmm. thought process. It's already doing it. You know, it's, yeah. it's already mm-hmm. figuring that out. It's just that it hasn't there's turned it There's not a transaction involved in that one, right. so they can yeah. simplify the, the problem. They haven't bubbles, turned so. the machine on yep. yet. So you know, and, 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 and I think Apple's big yeah. advantage, and this is the advantage they had with the iPod, is they have iTunes. You know, and 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 they built. You know, and they, the model. If you look at the model of what they did, is they built up. They built up iTunes, and then they released the iPod. Yep. They, now they're building up the video end of it, and they're going to release the Apple. You know, and they did release the yep. Apple TV, and so you know that's the. I think that is one of the challenges. I I actually think from the stuff I've seen in the store, and I don't have an Xbox, but. Um, uh, uh, but uh, you know, if someone sent one to me, <laughs> you know. The, I, uh, the, <laughs> I, anyway, so so anyway, but the uh, 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 that I do think that Xbox is probably doing it. Uh, I, I actually, there's a whole bunch of stuff about Xbox Live that that I think is really exciting. I mean, uh, we have some guys doing some development um, in Xbox Live mm-hmm. uh, for display stuff for visual effects that is really awesome on this high end level because it's, it's pretty open and you can build stuff for it and you can you know make stuff work Get a developers kit and yeah and, and just go to, go to mm. town and they're, they're doing some really cool stuff that I I can't talk about but right now but but the uh, but it's it, it's probably one of the better implementations and the thing that I'm excited about of course is that getting big companies like Sony, Apple and Microsoft pointed at each other and is good for yeah. us as consumers uh, because I think we're going to see a lot of really great video. Yeah. Now, I encourage you to, to look at the video marketplace because I really think they've yeah. done a really cool job of that bringing that on-demand video to the living right. room. And, yeah, I'll be the first to agree they've got a little ways to go in the catalog. But, hey, you got um, you got Daily Show and, and South Park on there now. So mm-hmm. what more do you need? And they don't have 24 yet? or you know. Uh, They've got most of the CBS lineup is there, but I don't okay. think they have too much of Fox's stuff. Okay. But pretty much the entire CBS primetime HD lineup. I do find is it funny there. because there's MSNBC. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a big world, and there's lots of opportunities. I'm yeah, done so, with 24. So. You're done. The season was you know bad. It was it was it good. Up until, good. Here's the deal. Sort it was, of. 
It was good. Here comes the spoiler. If you're listening, you can turn it on. No, right don't now. do no, it. Don't I, spoil I, it. I've been down here all week. I didn't see this week. No, it's not okay, this week because you saw last it. week. You yeah. saw just, last week when the, when the show when the series really ended. Okay, for those of you who haven't aren't watching, what, plug what, your ears now. Right? Okay, okay. No, the series we're, ended we're, last we're week. We're into the after show yeah. of 24. Is what you said. we're into the after show. There's going to be another six episodes of something that's not connected to this at all. You know, and I was like, Carlita was like, oh, I don't want to watch anymore. She was. It was. This is the worst season ever. It was. I think there. I think. They're done. They, like they've story. told the story. It's, I mean, we, we've had about every risk that they you could possibly it's, have. It's, 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 it's kind of the same shtick. Battlestar Stop. didn't jump it the shark. No, it did not. It did. It totally jumped the shark. No, it did FTL drive. No, no. It's done. No, it's, it's Never watching just it getting started. All right. We got to cut this thing so off. One last we're, quick we're, thing. we're going on a marathon here. Yeah. I like his, his hack to his computer. Oh, yeah. I, I took some video of that. So if you're listening to Twim, we're not going to talk about it. Oh, it's fine with me. No, no. You mean the the, the hack to, on the computer? Yes. On his computer. We haven't, we on haven't Bill's computer. something on Bill, Bill's computer. Oh, well, so you're going to see this in the video. So um, hidden video? on, uh, not hidden for much longer, but it'll probably won't come up until next week, which is the, uh, there's an, another podcast um, connected to all the stuff, which will be the, uh, it's uh, Alex Holt. Now he's already started on the path already. It, it, it's the Alex Lindsay project, and so it's just it's just like <laughs> it's just like a live blog or whatever we're doing. And so I'm shooting video almost every day of, of stuff, and some of it will end up on this blog, and it'll end up on Pixcore.tv. So you'll you'll see this oh, okay. uh, podcast. Um, and I shot some video of us talking about stuff. But one of the things you'll notice about Bill's computer is that well, first of all, he has a, a good taste to have a MacBook. Pro. He's got a MacBook Pro. Which we, one we, of the computers I have, yeah. yeah. One, one of the many. One of one of <laughs> the one, one he of, brought with him. One of his one of his his digital harem is a Mac. It's really cool. I mean, I'm building the uh, a solution cross platform, so I use both platforms. So right. it's. Yeah. I mean, boy, going to Intel boot camp. Thank you, Apple. Man, right. you just made a life for us Windows guys. Fantastic. So it works out pretty well. Yeah. yeah and That's but 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 you hacked into there's a so there's a. Y- in the display where the Apple is, there is a uh, there's a Windows. You know the is it the Vista is it the, so it's a Vista logo, the Vista yeah. logo. It's, it's it's behind the translucent. It's behind the translucent. translucent he voided his warranty. He's busted. So so you'll see it in the video when I when I show yeah. I'll show so little it, snippets of it. You'll see the video. It's, so it's, it's one of a kind. It's a MacBook Pro with Vista inside. And right. so I <laughs> the logo <laughs> should show that. And I, see, and I ruined my MacBook Pro um, uh, without with, and his was much harder than mine. <laughs> and uh, it just tells you that I'm not allowed to make bombs. Anymore, no, so. no more, Alex. So anyway, um, uh, I think we're we're almost yes. we're almost to the end of this marathon. If you're still listening, uh, I'm I'm impressed. Uh, one thing I want to make sure that you uh, that you know, uh, if you're listening, is that the Pixicore is uh, Pixicore.tv, but uh, Pixicore.com is doing a huge uh, uh, push you know, this summer. We're, we're testing a whole bunch of new stuff. So we've got new classes and new training and new applications and all kinds of Killer new stuff. new training. Killer new training, killer new uh, applications. Um, it's like forty or $50,000 worth of software that people have access to uh, for the summer. Um, and uh, tons of training. And it's 50 bucks. Damn. <laughs> for the even whole summer. You, even if you write $50 or $50 and then move the zero and take or take the decimal out and get to 5000 you have to add another zero. For the amount of for the amount of money that it is, wow! Yeah, that's so of, of, of course that's the new subscribers only bonus. Yeah, yeah. It's a new subscribers only. <laughs> if you're already a Pixel member, shut it. Uh, but um, uh, <laughs> you already know you're getting a good deal. Yeah, 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 that's yeah right. exactly. So, so the um, if uh, 
you'll get it for June through August. If you sign up now, you'll get it May as well because May is so you'll actually get four months uh, for fifty bucks. We we want to uh, bring in some new blood and do this test, and we wanted we needed more people to actually do the the raw test of the new technologies that we're working on. Mm-hmm. So we just want to bring a bunch of people in and test them as guinea pigs. Oh, some of you might want to stay at the at the end, but we want to just see how this thing works over the summer. So twelve dollars and fifty cents a month. <laughs> it's not too bad. That's actually a great. Deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, like, wow, that like makes me wonder. No. Secondhand, it's a hundred dollars. So, anyway, so if you go up to pixelgore.com, you'll actually see a uh, uh, a little. You know, you hit the main screen and you'll see the thing, and you can sign up. So, anyway, it's live. And, I'm excited um, about the one class that I help. It's. We. I think we can talk about it. I mean, we we're about, about to announce one? it. I mean, Ian McKeg, oh, who is the um, so cool. Oh, I. Okay, so I'm watching the the the, the, raw, the stuff. raw stuff, and so he goes, okay, now I want you to take out a piece of paper, and, and I'm like, wait, 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 I need a piece of paper. So I press pause, <laughs> and I'm like, I want to do this, and I got caught up in this thing, and I did. I did one of the drawing pieces. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I, now I'm hooked. I have to do the rest of it. Right, and it's it, now, the, now the classes with Ian are, are cost more than the fifty dollars. The fifty dollars just gets you access to to taking the class. Uh, it's like hundred. <laughs> it's like, but it's like seventy five bucks for the basic training for ten weeks with Ian McKay, who's a character designer from Star Wars. You know, so uh, it's totally you know, captivating, it, and you'll want to do it. He, he gets you excited about drawing, no matter what you've ever done, and everything mm. else. And so we're doing that one. We're also doing some moto uh, modeling stuff, and Moto's so. Um, so anyway, and then we've got some other ones on the on the uh, on the burner. We're doing a, a reading with uh, Stu Mashwitz from the orphanage with oh, his new right. book. Speaking of Stu, I was actually going to hold this for the after after show. Uh-huh. We I are think we're in we're there. Way yeah, we're way in there. <laughs> so Stu on his blog, I don't know yes. if everyone. We'll, well, I don't remember what the name is. We'll put it in the but show we'll notes. put it in. Talks about using color, the new feature of. Uh, Final Cut, Cut Studio, Studio. Um, and why it's all, it's really cool, but why it's also really potentially bad. Which is because the average people are because everybody be doing it's, color. it's this idea of like here you're going to get this really amazing hundred thousand dollar color tool, and then it's going to be like okay. Uh, how do I make it work? It's like, well, it's like I, the first time you had fifty fonts to choose. Yeah, from. exactly. He makes yeah. that he makes that analogy. It's the same as having a print uh, a laser printer, and then you have a ransom note. Well, I think that the the one thing I have to say though is that it, it is for for me. Um, uh, when you look at color, like we we just have a lot of small color issues that we're dealing with, and yes. being, and all I didn't need color quite to that level, but what I did need was. A lot more control than I had with Final Cut, mm-hmm. you know, and and I do think that also what you're going to end up with is, is even though we screwed it up, in the mid '90s we had probably some of the worst print design known to man because guys like me were allowed to actually do print design. <laughs> we had no idea. <laughs> and um, right. kerning and letting and oh man, and I was like, I just, I just, you know, you got to get. I, there was this. Uh, did I talk about the ad that I did yeah. for Albuquerque? And, we, and then we t- and then so we had this idea pure of black because I didn't know anybody got gain. And um, <laughs> anyway, so. But it was horrible design. Raygun was this interesting one, but it was a, you know, you couldn't actually read it. Right. But what we ended up with is something much more vibrant and much more interesting than what we had in the 80s. Uh, in the same way, I think that that's what's going to happen. With sure. The, but anyway, Stu should be on the show. He we need to have talk. Stu back. I know, but it's been a long time since is, we've had Stu. It is, it is. You guys, you know, I'm going to be gone for six weeks. I know, but Stu's listening to the show right now. And Stu? Stu? You gotta send us uh, email, Stu. I hope you're not driving, Stu. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stu. So we need you to come back on, Stu, and so we'll send get us the, an email. Uh, we'll get somebody else to uh, have the conversation with him. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know anything about color, but I do know somebody who, who does. We? we should get. We should get. Well, 
What? Oh, I, I know. Pe- I know people that we can bring on who can. Well, talk no, about we got we got a guy. He was listening to Beer School, and he was like, "Oh, by the way, here's this the- guy consults for the Academy." Oh, okay. well, that's so. cool. So, <laughs> all right, let's let's we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll, we'll have a couple. That. We'll figure You'll, that show you, maybe out. you should come back down. Absolutely. Hey, anytime. This is a lot of fun. Well, it was really great Actually, to have really an imaging conference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot today. You know, beyond beyond talking about about HD photo, what I was really glad for it, it was just a really interesting conversation. I really want to thank you for actually coming. Oh, down. I, like I say, it's, it's it's a kick to come down here. It's uh, you know, it's just that next level after listening to the show every week. Actually, be able to respond, you know, be part of it and stuff. So. No, this was a guess. I'm, I'm really glad oh. I was able to do this. No, we definitely want to have you come back on. Let so me know. Make, make sure to let us know when you're when you're coming through San Francisco. Sure. And uh, and we'll work around uh, work around that stuff because it's really really fun. We got tons you. of other cool stuff we can talk about. Excellent. <laughs> okay. cool. I, I, and uh, Kenji, are you um, you still have the same old website, don't you? Same old website. <laughs> you know, I've just. Yeah. Oh, actually, I, although I do have some things I'm playing with, and potentially. Well, oh, you're always telling us you're playing yeah. with something. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Do we see anything? No. 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 Just hear about it one yeah. more time. Break one distance. more time. Craig, do you have anything new? We have. Well, we're putting up some Mac breaks this week and some Gear Media Techs, right? That we've got an NAB, aren't we? We went crazy. They're already, up, they're already up. They're going up. They're, up. they're, okay. they're, they're streaming up. So, so we shot, I think, three nine. or four, nine total. Nine total. I did. You shot nine after I left. Well, you and I together. Oh, okay, okay. So, so no, we shot, shot yeah. a total of four or five Mac breaks and and four or five GMTs. I don't right. know where they, it, they're they're, so they're kind of it was kind of blurred because it was all the same show. Right. Um, so if you go up to Pixcore.tv, you'll see them streaming up. And uh, and anyway, so um, there's a ton of of more moreness. From uh, from NAB, and we had we had a lot of fun there. Yeah, I, mean, we, I think we saw a lot of good stuff, and and uh, we had a lot of fun. So definitely uh, check that out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of moreness, yes, Mac Break Tech. Oh, Mac, yes. when, when when is it going up? It's I don't know. The first one's up. The like. first one's hidden. I'll put it. I'll Our put hidden the episode. Hid, yeah, hidden episode. No, no, no. You can't put it. We got to get it in the proper. Okay, feed. we'll get it in the proper. Okay, feed, we'll talk to Ben. We'll about give it. the we'll secret. Then. We'll give the secret location, which is three am dot com slash. MBT, and you can download either of the two formats, uh, MP3 or uh, AAC. And we've done one episode so far. We've done one cool. episode. We're doing another episode tomorrow, and it is really, it's really it's, cool. It, it will be a it's true, like, it's tomorrow like, will be a true geek fest. Yeah, yeah tomorrow is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a no-holds-barred, basically. Okay, we're not going to try to be nice to everyone, mm-hmm. and we're just going to talk about really, really techie stuff. Not me. It's these guys. Who yeah. are, so the idea is go, when when uh, Craig says, what does YMMV stand for? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not even stopping. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. That's this, why I'm uh, on the show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this mess that you've been listening to for almost the last two hours—it's two hours, almost oh two hours. Gosh. Uh, Thank you, Bill Crow. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> really, really keep great. Keep going and keep going. You know, I kept on looking at it. I have to—I have to say that—that that, uh, uh, you know, there was points where I was going. You know, we're, we've been talking a long time. And uh, but it's really it, it was too it was too much good data. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna keep on going until this slows down, and it just and, it didn't and, and slow I'm down. And I'm sitting here going, oh, and that we could go down this whole path. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Let yeah, me yeah. save that till later. You know, so we, we took still took a lot of shortcuts yeah. on the way. <laughs> anyway, this mess that you've been listening to is uh, this week in media. We are over and out. <sighs> we really are over and out. Wow, I didn't think I was gonna make it. Like, I forgot to use the date. And her to left. The little dog is still here. No, she took, no, she took the dog too. And hit it a lot.
Except for the part that you said, that's it. I, I, I heard that. that. I accidentally turned yours up. Oh. <laughs> so it says, that's it. You, you, uh, there's, there's a millisecond there. You can edit it. Hold on. Here we go. Let me stop this.